Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by, ooh, people smiling in the new year. We have Leo Vader. Hello. Oh, voice You can hear rough. it in the voice when you're smiling. <laughs> Hello. I, I've been listening to a lot of Tom Petty lately, Leo, and I think more than any other singer, he stands out where I feel like I can hear when he's smiling. You know, like in Free Fallen, when he goes, all the vampires. That's like the most smiley line read of all time. Because he's really proud of the lyrics. He loves vampires. They make him happy. Uh, Ana Diaz is here. Hello, everyone. Welcome. And Jeff Marchiafava. Hello. <laughs> smiley as ever. Thank yep. you for being here. Thanks for sticking with MinMax or finding MinMax. We appreciate either way. Um, we had a fun time over the holidays, going through a ton of games, sorting through and creating the official MinMax list of the 210s, figuring out the greatest games from the year. There was debating, there was ranking, tears, laughs, everything. Yet still, Leo, you would never guess this. Hmm. Uh, we published it, put it on the internet, and said, hear ye, hear ye, come check out our list. And some people were like, hey, this list freaking sucks. Weird. Yeah, there were a couple people. So here's Maybe the thing. Maybe they're looking at their monitor upside down. That could be, yeah. So we might have, you know, in your mind, gotten some things wrong because we were making a subjective list of the games that we love the most as a min-max collective group. But... It's all we can do. Is it, though, Jeffum? What if we were to create a bona fide scientific objective list of the greatest games of 2020 by letting the community create... A new version of the 210s. Not replacing our 210s. But what we did is we went in the MinMax Discord, which you get access to if you support us at any tier on Patreon, and we had people vote for their top 10s. Uh, Shazira and the other mods tallied them up, did a great job, and so now we actually have some sort of official verdict ranking slot spot for the community's 210s. So you can disagree with us all you want, but can't argue with science, everybody, as we know from the world today. <laughs> so that's what we'll be doing on this episode is going through the community's list for the best games of 2020. And uh, we have our personal list to share as well, just to get as subjective as possible. We had our collective list, but now we're going to break it all down and share our individual list for our 10 favorite games of 2020. And also uh, we're going to be sharing Kyle's and Surreal's. Although Kyle, if you go on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show, you can see Kyle's standalone uh, list. He made a, a video version as well if you want to hear his dulcet tones, which I think we all do. And then we have mm -hmm. a bunch of great community questions, uh, which I can't wait to get back into. It's been too long. Um, Anna, how are you feeling? Do you feel rested? Do you feel like the break was breakish? Yeah, the break was very breakish, which is nice because it doesn't always, you know, in quarantine, sometimes days off just feel like another day, right? Um, yeah, but I had an incredible New Year's and uh, birthday. So, oh, happy birthday! Thank you. Um, I'm sorry for the cliche question, but does it suck to have the birthday just wedged mm. in here in the holiday season? Definitely. Do you know what I get? I get the double gift. You know, like the oh, this is for Christmas and your birthday, which would never happen if my birthday was in the summer. Yeah, but it is nice because I've never. Um, worked on my birthday because it is like right by new year's so oh that's true yeah the rest so of i us, actually yeah. i don't complain because it's it's a it's not a bad spot for a birthday yeah um leo have you ever taken a day off for your birthday it always feels too self-indulgent for me but are you self-indulgent <laughs> <laughs> 
How uh, vain yeah. are you, Leo? Yeah. I think once I have. The bad thing about my birthday is that it fell on the first day of school a few times, K through 12. Ooh. That's rough. Yeah. Because there's so much going on. There's so much excitement. No one has time to pay attention to you. Like the teacher has to introduce who they are. So the idea of like calling out, oh, birthday from Leo today. No one's going to do that. Right. It's almost like it's your fault. Everyone's back in school at that point. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why my whole life I've had to like work harder to get me feel the same amount of love. Right. Right. Smart. Well, speaking of love, we love these games from 2020, don't we, everybody? Look at all these winners. So, uh, again, people in the Discord, the community in the Discord, uh, thank you so much for rallying and submitting your votes. I think it's a very interesting list that they've uh, compiled here, including they had a write-in category, because the mods are very smart, for best DLC of the year. Does anybody have a guess for for what the best DLC was, according to the MinMax community? Well, the Outer Worlds one. Ooh, Perils of... Gorgon or whatever? Carolong Gorgon. <laughs> I haven't heard a thing about that. Is that good? Leave a comment if that's good. I assume it's good, but I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Um, it's not. I have a guess. Oh, yes. Anna. Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Does that count as DLC or is that an update? I think that's a standalone thingy. Yeah. No. Okay. About, <laughs> how about um, Monster Hunter? Was there DLC this year? Iceborne? <laughs> Iceborne was last year, wasn't it? It came out on PC this year, but look, uh, I don't know. A bunch of great guesses so far, but no one's quite close. Uh, it was Ghost of Tsushima Legends, the multiplayer oh, co-op oh. thing. Very ambitious. People really love that in the community. That's I feel like, bad. I don't think any of us have tried it this yeah, year. Yeah, that has the raid mode, right? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All that stuff. Okay, let's run down this community list, and then we can have our discussions if we have anything left to say about the game as we're running down and celebrating the community's choices. All right. <laughs> this is where it gets tough not to say top 20 games um all right the, the community's two tens what is at the bottom of the second list for the two tens <laughs> any guesses what that game could be it's one that object objectively is good but you gotta imagine not that many people are playing but no doubt great game undermine <laughs> nope leo i'm looking at you in particular one of the best Are games of the year games? that f- barely anybody played this year for User. very important reasons. Financial, practical, oh. technological reasons. Oh, Half-Life Alex? Half-Life Alex, everybody, is in the yeah. final spot from the Max community. Um, Jeff, do you ever lose sleep about the fact that you probably won't play Half-Life Alex in your life? No. Yeah. I, it kind of, it bums me out, but, you know, there is a, there is that practicality of it that I'm just not. VR wasn't made for me, even if, even if it wasn't as expensive as it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not that interested in it. I think um, Daniel Dwyer, I believe, I forget, I think it's on his personal YouTube channel, but I think he has a full Let's Play of Half-Life Alex just to try and show just a fraction of what's cool about that game, which is a fun idea. And I don't think he has any yeah, commentary I'm sure over it. I'm sure I'd get it from that. I think you get the idea, yeah. <laughs> Next one on the list. This is, by the way, do you like it as light hints trying to guess it? Yes. Okay. Uh, Next one on the list is a game that did not make our two tens, but was very popular. I think you can call this more than a flash in the pan. It was like a a low simmer in a pan for maybe a month and a half. And the industry said, this is it. They've cracked the code. This developer we've never heard of before. They made murder by numbers. They made the Hottiful boyfriend port. The studio's name is Mediatonic, and the game is 
It's a new twist on an old favorite, a certain Battle Royale-esque take. Fall Guys. Fall, Guys. Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout next on that list. Wonderful choice. I love the community reality for that one. This one here. This is a game that I feel uh, bad for not celebrating more because it's a remake slash remaster. They added new music. They added an epilogue. It is a remake of a Switch game that was released in the United States in early 2012. After Operation Rainfall, this is an RPG on the Switch. The remake that came out this year is some of the best music in gaming. <laughs> you don't have to wait there long. All right, that is Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Woo-hoo. Edition next on the community list. All right, this next entry on the community list. This some say what number? Uh, who can say? This is 2019, 18. This is 17. You didn't number the list, Hanson? Number 17. <laughs> Here it is. No, it's the two tens. It's two tens, Jeffum. It's impossible to number. Right. This game, some would argue, some have argued within the last 10 minutes, this is mere DLC. But nay, the community says it's so good. This is a standalone thing. Destiny Beyond Light. Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Way to go. Next one on the list is... It, oh, yes. You know, it's interesting that it that it actually got up that high. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would think our community would be that into Destiny. That, that, the channel in the Discord is hopping. They are the only people I know of who are into Destiny, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Fair enough. They love it. Uh, yeah, it's, love it. it's cool that they're into it enough to continue on with each expansion, because I think like we said during our larger discussion like it is so daunting even i i have enjoyed what i've played of destiny 2 but i feel like it would just be impossible to go back to at this point so yeah not impossible they say uh next entry in the list this is a game that focuses on death but in the sweetest most charming way possible uh leo vader i'm looking spirit fair there it is way to go uh next one on the list number 15 one, two, three, four. Yes, number 15, of course. This is a game that, Jeffum, I think you went above and beyond to vouch for this game, despite it being way too big for any human being to consume. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. Next I game. I like I did that for a couple games that were That's true. Too big. Number 14 is a game that I think it's fair to consider the number one snub from MinMax's two tens, a game that all of us think are, is good. Serial, I believe, is the only one who finished it. Jeffum liked it, but did not make our two tens, and people were furious. They said, "Frankly, go to hell." Yeah, Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal. There we go. Next <laughs> yeah, one on the a, list. It's a good one. It's it's a goodie. Number 13. I'm glad the community liked it a lot. It does seem like for a game that people were pretty hot on when it came out, I remember Giant Bomb wasn't crazy about it, but it seemed like the rest of the industry was really hot on it. And I feel like listening to a lot of end of the year discussions, it's not getting brought up as much as I expected. I don't know. Yeah, it, It's weird. And I, I think part of it is just that the first Doom remake was just so refreshing in the way that it kind of changed up what the first person formula was at that time. It was so much, it was so different 
and you know while also being very retro as to what it was doing and yeah was like, this is amazing i really like this and then it, and then when it came to like well we're going to refine that even more and give you more challenge it's like okay you know like the big thing about it was how refreshingly different it was and now yes. it's more of that which i guess didn't capture as many people welcome to the video game industry community, there we go great. uh next one is a game that everybody well a lot of people played but nobody purchased and it's not a free to play game riddle me this batman <laughs> piracy the uh video game nope in fact it's a game it's a game nobody purchased everybody loved and nobody even installed Now you're just making crap up, pants. No, That's impossible. Come on. A bunch of people bought it and played it, but didn't install it, is they, what you're saying. They did not buy it. The game from Reddit, the you just lost the game thing. You just lost the game on Reddit. Do we see it? <laughs> uh, this is, of course, uh, Astro's Playroom on the PlayStation 5, the, mm. the bundled in oh. game. Uh, mm. It's awesome. It, it just barely didn't make our two tens, but it's nice that the community loved it so much that they honored it here. Great call. Um, do you think? Do you think it ended up higher because we didn't put it on our list? Because oh, kind of are these spite votes? The Is that the question? Mm. Well, not spite, you know, but it kind of it can that can lift your opinion of a game when you're making ranks like this, where it's like I don't know. We had a lot of people. They didn't put yeah. it. We had like people, it deserves recognition. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, even a week before our final debate went uh, live that people started to do these so not everything is colored based on us but uh, i really loved astro's playroom um platforming is great music's great art's great obviously and just i'm a big fan of this is so dumb but like uh non-fictional elements in games kind of more autobiographical experiences in games and it in the same way that Beatles Rock Band, I think, is the greatest documentary game of all time, you know, there's an argu argument to be made that Astro's Playroom is just the interactive history of PlayStation video game, which is such a cool little spot for that to be. Uh, just to walk you through all the different unlocks. I mean, the fact that a game released in 2020 is celebrating PlayStation Home with like a little object you get, you know, just every aspect of PlayStation's history is noted and celebrated in such a wonderful way. All right, now we're getting controversial. Number... 12 on this list is a game that did not make our two tens. Anna, uh, you were upset that it did not make our two tens. And not only did it not make our two tens, there was a long debate about whether or not it would even qualify for our two tens. Yeah. Among us. There it is. Yay. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by that. I, I thought that it would get snubbed by both lists. So I'm very <laughs> happy to see it there. Yeah. Uh, I think the community played it a lot, you know, with each other and, and found groups and stuff. And I'm glad that that was a, a cool bonding experience for so many folks, folks like throughout the year. And then specifically in the max discord. That's great. Um, number 11, I think is embarrassingly low for this list. And I will uh, forever be outraged by the community. Uh, this is, Yakuza Like a Dragon is number 11 according to the community. Um, I adore this game and this was my holiday break. Like I spent a lot of time playing new tabletop games and just watching movies, relaxing in the house. Um, but when it came to games, I lost my mind in a positive way finishing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Like I guess it was 
Saturday specifically. I don't think I've had a gaming session like this in years and years and years, uh, but I believe I played Yakuza Like a Dragon for 14 hours on Saturday to finish it up. And it was one of those where it's like, final boss is, it's just, there's a lot of health to go through and it took so long and then I died right when I had him down to the bare minimum and had to restart. So it was like, you know, three in the morning by the time I finished Yakuza Like a Dragon, but could not have enjoyed that game more. Like just having that grand finale for that experience was unbelievable. Um, do you all have that, like that fond memories for just marathoning a game over break? Because it makes me think of like, 2005 when I went back after my first year in college for the Christmas break and I marathoned through Final Fantasy 12 and it was just like late night sessions, early morning sessions. When was the last time one of you had one of those crazy marathons like that? Oddly, the last time I took a day off of work for my birthday was when Metal Gear Solid 5 was coming out. Oh, that's and right. I played it for 26 hours straight. Straight? Awesome. <laughs> 26 <Yeah>. hours? <laughs> People have gotten world records you for playing that You could have gotten into Guinness for that, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Uh, but I'm happy to see it on this list. I hope more people check it out uh, when it releases on PlayStation 5. And I believe March is when the PlayStation 5 version is out. But I started playing on PS4 and I finished it on PlayStation 5. And like, it it's fine. Uh, like visually, there's definitely those situations where, especially going in first person and trying to read all the text and just looking at the textures and stuff in shops. There's some that are a little bit rougher to look at, but if you can't wait until March to play this game in PlayStation 5, that's what you're waiting for. Like, it's great to jump in now. It's on Steam. I cannot recommend it enough as, you know, we talked about with the, the two tens in our debate. It's just so fun to have a throwback to JRPGs that almost feels like a parody of JRPGs at the same time. It is just the best tone I could hope for. So it feels like this incredibly funny parody of JRPGs while also having a story where I cared about the character's I think ultimately more than any characters this year. Like, I really, really loved uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Anna, I didn't think then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's post spoilers for uh, Suriel's what he wanted to fight for for best moment. Do you think that would have had a chance now that you've played it? Great question. Um, it was very fun to play through and be like, where is this moment that Suriel's talking about? And there's two that I thought could have been it. So, without spoiling anything here, yeah, there is a sequence. Uh, it's oh boy now i know what serio was going through by and large yes the idea of he's saying oh things coming back together and kind of tying back together in a fun way in yakuza like a dragon that was his favorite moment of the year and he was annoyed that we couldn't spoil it i'm very thankful that he didn't i'm sorry it was frustrating for people to listen to i don't think it would have won personally like even though you like the characters better than the last of us part two yeah more than mm-hmm. final fantasy well final fantasy 7 is tough because like that's just my crew that I've grown up with. So I can't like, it's so tough to judge that one about individual characters. Um, yeah, I think the moment in last of us two is a lot better and it's much more self-contained within the last of us part two, if that makes sense. Whereas Yakuza, I think it's a little bit more, if you've appreciated the series, then it's like, Oh, this is incredibly cool, but no doubt, incredible, cool couple of moments, uh, towards the end of Yakuza, like a dragon. And especially in a cutscene format, they go above, above and beyond in this level of just presenting how cool this moment is. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, but no, he would have been just crushed, Leo. There's no way Sarah <laughs> could have won that, won that argument. I asked him what the moment was. I thought, I, I thought it was cool. I would have fought for him. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, number 10 on this list from the community. Uh, this is a remake. It's a remake that also didn't make our two tens, which was surprising based Wasn't on... It- Nope. It's a game that 
I like Resident Evil 3 a lot, but I think it's a remake that we all liked collectively more than Resident Evil 3. It's kind of a remake of two games, I'd argue. Like, if you added two together? As in a one plus two situation? Uh, Tony Hawk? <laughs> there we go! Tony mm -hmm. Hawk is number 10 on the community list. Isn't that amazing? Oh. Wow. wow. Uh, they did a good job with it. They, that, they, that, feels, that feels like a good job Capcom kind of mm -hmm. game. Yes. It's like they, they gave us exactly the kind of thing that we wanted for it. I think that also screw it up. completely falls in line with uh, Activision's second Crash Bandicoot 4, where it's nostalgic, yes, but hey, good job giving people exactly what they wanted. They really did a great job. So good job. Uh, next entry is a little bit in that Xenoblade Chronicles realm, where not a remaster, but an updated version that has more content. It's an RPG. Persona 5 Royal. There we go. Persona ah. 5 Royal. Number nine for the community. I'm glad a lot of people played and enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, next one. Uh, this is a game that there is a passionate crowd out there that loves this a lot. Uh, here's a hint. Ben Rees from Game Informer gave it his number one spot for Game of the Year. It's a certain genre that people love. Certain Metroidvania genre. People say this is one of the greatest. Oh, Ori? Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Correct. The community really loved that. That's fun to see. Next one. Controversial. Not on R210s. Not eligible for R210s. Oh, Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk 2077 is number six on this list. Is this six? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is actually number seven on this list. <laughs> uh... I, I love the community's playing it. Maybe it's just, be, well, not because of the deepest dive. Maybe there's some aspect of that of people in the community are kind of focusing on it more than the rest of the industry. Or do you think this is just a good representation of the quality of Cyberpunk 2077 that is number seven for the community's ranking? It's impossible to say for sure. I mean, it's a no question. It's a, if, if it's working for you, it's a great game. It is just hard to tell until you're further away from it, really the impact it had on you. Yeah, we're going through the deepest dive now. Uh, the next episode is airing uh, next week, and it's going to be about the main path story for Act 2. So you can submit a comment if you support us on Patreon about your thoughts, and we'll read it on the air. Um, but I guess we haven't covered it too much on this show. Uh, Jeff, how are you feeling about Cyberpunk 2077 right now? Uh, I am still really enjoying everything that I've played so far, and I've put just an absurd number of hours into it at this point. You said 75 um, at least? It now says 80 hours um and so i'm i'm a little skeptical of the timer on it sure and how well it's telling time that that feels like it could just be another bug uh, <laughs> it, you you, you had mentioned intro. earlier hansen uh because of you know various bugs going on you you hate that feeling of like well is this system working the way it's supposed to right. or, or is there actually something wrong with it and i'm starting to feel that way about that timer but um i have definitely put many many hours into it and enjoyed almost all of everything you know like i certainly have my own criticisms with some of the story and things like that and i've run into my fair share of bugs as well but it's, yeah and it's interesting that you're playing on xbox and xbox one x but you're not one x not, yeah sorry one x yeah but you're not to the point of throwing the game out the window no no it's it's definitely i'm i think leo said you know like it's still 
launched better than Skyrim did, and I'm and I'm feeling like it's it has mostly still run better than Skyrim Special Edition, even at this point. Really, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe the the crashes maybe would bring it down below that, but in terms of you know like in-game bugs that I'm running into, it hasn't been too bad. Yeah, oh, and I know, and I know people have certainly had different, you know, worse experiences, but it's been it's been going really well. But even after eighty hours, and Leo, you've put in a lot of time as well, and you're loving it still too, right, Leo? Yeah, for sure. Um, are you two considering it for your top tens? I'm not. We'll okay. see. Oh, interesting. Uh. We'll see. All right. Next entry is the complete opposite of Cyberpunk 2077. This is a smaller game that we all appreciated for being smaller but not so small that you couldn't dive into it, if you know what I mean. Miles Morales. <laughs> you should Do you like when we say it like we're eating our vegetables? Yeah, you should be able to win a trivia competition by we're just really uh, so a little enthusiasm. <laughs> Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yes, absolutely. Uh, fantastic, wonderful game that we all... And adore. that was number what? That was number six. Number five is... Mm, it's got those good vibes that Spider-Man Miles Morales has. Probably the best vibes of the year. Five? Yeah. Anna, when you think... Animal Crossing? Animal Crossing New Horizons! Mm. There we go. Number five on that list. Uh, number four on the community list is uh, a game that people loved. I'm surprised by how high it is on a lot of people's lists, a lot of um, outlets lists. I expected, you know, it's a good game, but I didn't expect this level of passion over it at the end of the year. It's a big game. It's certain somebody named Kyle Hilliard's number one. Ghost of Tuchima? Ghost of Tuchima. That's it. Congratulations, <laughs> Ghost of Tuchima. Uh, all right, number three. A game that the community loved and half the internet hated. Last of Us. Last of Us Part 2. That's every game. Yep, there we go. (laughs) Number two, above The Last of Us Part 2, is another one of these stupid remakes. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Final Fantasy VII Remake. There it is. I had a tough time uh, figuring out where this game was on my personal list and, you know, how we should argue about it and debate it for Mimnax's 210s just because it is... It's, it feels so, it's like, wow, it makes me so happy <laughs> that it's tough for any game to top the emotional heights of that game this year. And at a certain point, I just had to sit back and reason with it and just realize, like, what are we doing here if not celebrating the game that is just a pure roller coaster of largely positive emotions? Like, it, that game evokes and rings so much out of my soul. Like, I have to celebrate that impact on me this year for my personal list at least so i'm glad to see it for the community list up so high number one game according here we go leo vader hades takes it for the community's number one game well deserved fantastic thank you so much uh runners up didn't quite make the cut super super mario 3d all-stars resident evil 3 call of duty warzone crash bandicoot 4 and kentucky route zero I'm glad to see more people checking out Kentucky Route Zero after our list, though, where we put as number two. I think that's really fun to see more folks checking that out overall. Um, top 10 list. Leo, I'm so curious about yours. Do you want to run down your list? I want to rattle it off. Yeah, rattle and hum it, baby. So our personal top 10s, uh, the games didn't have to come out this year. 
their games. You can do whatever can you want. Too. Yeah. Right. Well, on my list, I'll warn you. <laughs> there are games that did not come out this year. But okay, but before, before, before is we it get just Rainbow Six Siege 10 times in a row? <laughs> 10 <laughs> operators. Um, <laughs> is there a part of you that wants to keep it pure of like, don't because I would like rolling in games that came out other years, but I like being able to look at all these lists next to each other throughout the years and have it a clearly definable take on the year. That's the thing. It depends. I like having the group top 10 for that. And for me, I like having here was what that year in gaming was for me. Right, right. In which case, in, including previous years, it's like I'm being more honest about what my year in gaming was like. Okay. Yeah. Walk us through, dude. Number 10, Lethal League Blaze. What is that again? Just made that up. It's that is one of the Steam uh, games we played yesterday. It's a sequel to Lethal League. It's the game where you're hitting a baseball back and forth in this like very jet grind radio dystopian future. It's just, it's all about timing. It's, I can't believe you guys haven't heard of it. I it's have. a truly phenomenal local competitive game. I think I got I'm really into it for the first three months of the year before quarantine happened. And when did it come out? Wow. 2018, I think. Okay. Oh, that's fun. And just your friends all got into it? Yep. Yep. And then I was playing it on the bus on my way to Game Informer, just like playing through the story with every single character. It's it's a really incredible uh, adrenaline feed. Just you can guarantee you're going to boot it up and feel something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Lethal League Blaze. Really great game. Number nine, Ghost of Tuchima. Excellent. I'm playing with my girlfriend. We're switching off. We're having a grand old time. It's really pretty on our big old TV. Number eight is Dear Reader. This is an Apple Arcade game I talked about earlier this year that turns these public domain classic works of literature into word puzzles that you can uh, play in bed and feel good about. And it's like one of the only things I can do on my phone before bed that doesn't, you know, wake my brain up too much. Yeah. Because it's like nice dark mode. Hmm. Leo, how many how many books do you feel like you now have basically quote unquote read? According to the or, game, ten. According okay. to me having actually being able to tell you what the book was about, four. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's better than what I got out of high school. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, same. Big same. Number seven, Gears Tactics. Mm. Wonderful game. Mwah. Talked about it on our Game of the Year debates. Number six, Until You Fall, a VR game that came out of Early Access this year. It's kind of rhythm-y, sword-fighting, roguelite. You're dodging, you're planning your abilities, you're getting upgrades throughout the run, you're blocking, you're striking. It's really great feeling, really great workout. I did it a lot this year just as like, I'm going to move my body for 30 minutes today by playing Until You Fall in VR. Number five, another VR title, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Ooh. came out this year. A VR survival-y game. Lots of crafting, really great combat, really tense situations of getting overrun and having to run for it, hurriedly reloading. The fun stuff that happens in VR. Uh, played a lot of it, really love it. Number four, Spiritfarer. Another great co-op game to play with my girlfriend. I, it's phenomenal. It's pretty. It's fun to play it's smartly designed again we talked about it last time <laughs> number three fuser number three. fuser maybe you've heard of that's truly one of the games that i look in like most reliably boot up and go i'm going to have a good time playing this i played more of it the other night 
as new DLC comes out, they've been doing like DLC Ooh. drops every week and they updated the freestyle mode. So you can do like longer bars and more rounds. So me and my friend could really fine tune it up. Just like, let's go back and forth for three, three rounds. We also did it where it was like, okay, for this round, we're only going to do the instruments. We're not using any tracks. We're just making our own instrumental loops and building them off each other's and just making a completely original song. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. It was a blast. And it sounded oddly good. Number two, Half-Life Alex. Ooh, Shake Up is back with this VR title. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I can't wait to replay it and replay it with director's commentary. I believe during it's, the 210s, you're like, that's my number one. Of the year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Of the year of 2020. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, VR chat. <laughs> You monster. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. People <laughs> say, oh, Leo. This is a tabletop simulator-esque pick. Correct. You can't pick all games for your number one. I posit that if you had the experience I had this year with VR chat, it would unquestionably be your number one as well. <laughs> Fair listener. Uh, is- it is It is going to a theme park with your friends. There's an unbelievable amount of, like, custom content in it you when you want to go to a new world you literally spawn a portal and all your friends hop through it and then you can play deception games you can literally play the best version of among us in vr chat i went to a to virtual market five a couple days ago which was a virtual convention where you can go and buy avatars or real merch or just go like play games or there's this place they're selling a Godzilla avatar and it's like, go through this elevator to see Godzilla and you go through it and you're just standing on the top of the building watching this giant ass Godzilla terrorize this city. It's just this cool ass convention to go to. And uh, there's a million things like that. We always try to have VR chat nights get together. So we go on, you know, light gun roller coasters, do like scary escape room maps together. It is the most fun I've had this year. No question. That's amazing. And it's free. It's completely free. How are they making money? They have VR Chat Plus now. For a while, they had just had like investors because it popped off so hard at the start. If you remember all those offensive memes that were out about it, no. Um, but now it's they do have like a premium model that they're pushing, That's, but you don't need it at all. I love right. that, Leo. Uh, Backstage oh, yeah. Pass is uh, rioting. They're mo- just so upset about your choices, but you know what? They love you no matter what. <laughs> I love having Thank you on these lists. Um, okay, let's get um, Surreal's list. Surreal's uh, number 10, Amnesia Rebirth. Number nine, Half Life Alex. Number eight, Demon Souls. Number seven for Surreal, If Found. Six, Doom Eternal. That, that's higher than I expected. Yeah. Num- number five, Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Number four, that <laughs> dastardly dog uh paper mario the origami king great game no doubt about it number three yakuza like a dragon number two hades and number one kentucky road zero for surreal vasquez um jeff do you want to run down yours sure okay my number 10 is a bit of a fudge um okay because it because it, it knocked off uh animal crossing off of my list like, like I was really between the two. I like to, I, I wanted to get like one indie, you know, darling onto that list. Yeah. And it, but it meant knocking Animal Crossing, which I probably, if I'm being honest, I probably just had more time and enjoyment out of Animal Crossing, but I still knocked it off for Monster Train because I, this, it like, 
it really grabbed me in terms of giving me that kind of collectible card game roguelike or deck building roguelike kind of game. And it did like, I really liked Slay the Spire from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it just, it, it's still like, I like this format and, and the, dis, you know, the way that they distilled that down into a much more potent and shorter experience so much. And I just saw that it came on, uh, it's on Game Pass now on Xbox. Oh, and there we go. I saw it, it was like, oh damn, I'm downloading that right now and can't wait to play more as soon as I'm done with Cyberpunk. Sweet. So that was number 10. Uh, number nine, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which it would probably be higher if I was able to put more time into it. Guaranteed. But I can see, I can see what everyone likes about it. I've really enjoyed my time with it. I just need more time with it. And Do there just aren't enough hours. Realistically, will you finish that game? Don't, don't you do that. Uh, I'm going to say realistically not because I, I still feel like as soon as I unlock Mahjong in that game, I'm just going to play way too much Mahjong and I'm just going to stop progressing. I don't know what's wrong. There's so many other games to play. You could get really into Virtual Fighter 2, Virtual Fighter 5. So many options. All right. Well, I, I wish you would play it, but if honestly, if I had to only choose one, I'd, I'd wish that you finished Red Dead Redemption 2 before Yakuza Like a Dragon. So I can only bug you yeah, about maybe. one thing at a time. Maybe that one will show up later on the list. Oh, keep going, dude. It's not. (laughs) Uh, Number eight, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I put a little more time into it than Yakuza, and I I probably liked it a little more just because it's more action and exploration focused. Um, But yeah, that's another one that wasn't getting any higher just based on not having enough time to put into it. But I, I still feel like I still feel sorry for that game that more people just didn't have the time and kind of lost lost interest in it for other games because I still feel like it's one of the best, at least my personal favorite Assassin's Creed from the past couple of years. Yeah. And I feel like they've just steadily kind of, they have a new focus for that series and they have been refining that down and getting it better and better. So, Absolutely. Uh, number seven is Hades. Which I still haven't, I still haven't beaten it. Oof. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's another, I've ended up with a lot of, a lot more roguelikes than yeah. I thought on this list. Um, and I, I do, I think it just has some of the best combat of a roguelike, which is still, which is usually not the focus for those kind of games. And they just completely nailed that. Um, I'm to the point where it's a little intimidating to go back just because runs do seem to take longer and i like 75 percent of the time i die i die on that damn worm boss <laughs> uh but i i totally understand why everyone liked it so much and why the main max community made it number one yeah i i encourage you to keep going with that one it, it feels yeah. like i was in that zone with you for a while where it was around there like the start of elysium like that was always where i'd i really was having a tough time with it and then it just the more you play it, the better and better you get. Obviously, it's also pushing in that direction to get better and better by having more things to unlock. And once you get over that hurdle, it's it's such a sweet downhill slope from there. Yeah, and and it is it has been a really nice one where it's it's a much shorter kind of gameplay window that I can actually play it in. When, yeah, when I'm juggling the baby, so <laughs> I have really appreciated it this year for that. Yeah, uh, number six, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Wow, out of out of like all of those kind of 
you know, um, B tier sounds insulting, but that kind of second tier of big open world games, like I just appreciate that it's a much more compact kind of Disney world esque, like here's a thing to go do and five feet further. Here's another thing. And I've liked, you know, the focus more on puzzles and I've liked the combat and stuff like that. And so that's, it's, it's certainly not the, it's probably not better than Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Yakuza or anything like that. But in terms of just getting me into the fun things that I want to do and keeping me focused on those things, uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah. Um, number five, Spelunky 2. Which there I, we go. Which I've talked a lot about, but it's it's still... It has it. It is an absolute blessing to be able to kind of relearn the fundamental Splunky kind of gameplay, which was what was so fun about the original. Because there's just there's not that kind of built-in progression that you get in a lot of roguelikes. This one is all just you have learned how to survive in these procedurally generated worlds, and to be able to kind of reset your progress on that and be able to experience that again is super cool. Yeah. Uh, number four, Ghosts of Tsushima, which is in that higher tier of open world games. And just the the theme and kind of getting able, being able to do kind of the ninja samurai thing in a, in a you know, a Japanese world and traditional Japanese culture and all of those kind of things is just super cool. And it, it's probably one of the gorgeous and kind of best running open world games this year yeah true and it's just it's it's another one where i didn't i didn't manage to finish it but it's it's way up there on like i can't wait to get back to this because it's even more so than just the gameplay it's i just want to be and spend time in this world because it's so cool and beautiful right uh number two though is cyberpunk 2077 Mm, number two yeah and i'm you know i still haven't we have we're still playing through it but at by the by new year's eve i had put i think 65 hours into it and it's i can easily make the determination that those 65 hours were some of my favorite hours playing video games this year oh good it's it is really just firing on all cylinders and they the depth has held up where it's like all of these systems I'm getting more into the weapons I'm finding, you know, unlike most looter shooter kind of games, like the weapons continue to get more interesting and give me more options in combat and make the combat more fun and engaging. And this, this last segment that we've played, there's been more of the story stuff where I'm like that, that is interesting. And these are the kind of characters that I had been waiting to see and spend more time with. And so, that one is up there. But number one is still The Last of Us Part Two. I, I think that is just... I always want to believe that I am a gameplay first kind of gamer and that that's the most important thing. But typically when we do any kind of like these kind of rankings and stuff, it seems like the games that have the more impactful story and characters are the ones that always float up to the top of the list. And that is definitely... Another case, I totally agree that some, you know, the pacing is off for sections and that some sections are too long and stuff. But those characters and that story 
stick with me and manage to add a second chapter that I didn't want to begin with because The Last of Us was one of my favorite games and they managed to do things with those characters that, you know, made me sad and things, but still felt like a good continuation of those stories and characters. Yeah. And, I, and that made it my number one for me for that reason. There we go. Jeffum's hot 10. Love it. Uh, Kyle Hilliard, again, you can hear his thoughts on our YouTube channel. He's a standalone video about it. But Kyle Hilliard's list was, uh, is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, number 10. Then Final Fantasy VII Remake, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Cyberpunk 2077. Number 5 is The Pathless. Number 4 is Astro's Playroom, which I am surprised to see that so high. See, Fix- that feels like another bump of like... We F-U screwed bump. it on that list. Yep. yep. I could see it. Number three is Half-Life Alex. Number two is Last of Us Part Two. Number one, Ghost of Tsushima for, for big old Kyle. Anna, do you want to run through your list quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm like muting and unmuting my mic right now because uh, our tornado test sirens are running right now. Um, hot list. Hot list. Uh, so here's the hot. <laughs> yeah, they're actually announcing um, my goatee <laughs> list. Um. To, so start off, uh, number 10. So actually, I initially bounced off of this game, but after spending more time with it and actually watching uh, my boyfriend play it a lot um, and passing the controller back and forth, I formed a lot of fond memories over this game, is Fall Guys. Mm. Um, just like uh, I still haven't won a match, <laughs> but I'm looking no forward to the sweet, sweet feeling of uh, someday clutching that uh, that crown. Um there's a lot of joy from that game this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, number nine is uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, I put a lot of time into this game. I love Animal Crossing. Um, I think it got knocked down a little bit just because um, I actually enjoyed a lot of like the more narrative-driven um, video games this year. But, you know, it's, uh, it's now a, technically a quarantine classic. Um, so... That's my number nine. Uh, at eight, I have Yakuza Like a Dragon. I I, I think I'm similar to Jeff in this mm-hmm. regard that I think if I spent more time with it, it would be higher up. Um, but just like a great game, like I really appreciated having just kind of like a lounging game, just really taking in the story, actually being able to lay on the couch and play a game is just like sometimes a lovely <laughs> experience. And um, it was my introduction to the Yakuza franchise and i think that i'll definitely be finishing this game and then you know jumping in and getting to know um some of the other stories more so that's coming in at eight and also very earthbound ask kind of like quirky like it's so funny like but when you're talking about it like how much you liked it because it's you know has all these video game references it's it's weird to think that like a video game would be made for video game fans because like obviously it's like a video (laughs) game right yeah but it's like right. such a novel idea that I feel like people don't do as much. Like it's self-referential. Um, yeah, especially from I, that level of production. Maybe indie games yeah. will reference other games, but for yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. That's such a funny. Yeah, angle. like what the golf does that really well. Right, um, right. But we haven't seen that in like a big title, so I also really appreciated that. Yeah, it's nice that you know Sega is not scared of getting sued by Square Enix, which is just a blessing for everybody. Yeah. yeah. We love we love a conversation and collaboration between our large corporations <laughs> um, <laughs> in the video game industry. Um, coming in at um, number seven, 
is um was my introduction to this entire franchise as far as video games go um spider-man miles morales oh yeah really loved that game really appreciated the characters and the stories and uh was just even thinking through was talking to my friend the other day just being like it's it's just really great to play a game and see a character sort of have um shout lines in both spanish and english and sort of see um you know new kinds of stories be told and also see you know like uh, just have such tight gameplay. That was my first time playing a Spider-Man game. And so I was like, the combat is so fun. It's so good. And, you know, that was my experience with it. So um, I will think fondly of uh, Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, at number six as Hades. Um, similarly, really enjoyed the combat, sort of echoing a lot of what has been said already. Um, do still want to spend more time with it. I uh, flipped on like the hero mode that makes it easier. And I think I will get a lot more out of it now. I was sort of grinding along. I am not very good at roguelites or roguelites. And so I think that sort of prevented me from, well, even th- that being said, I still felt like I was progressing some sort of story. So I think that, you know, that's pretty innovative. Yeah. I, you know, tried to play dead cells and that um, I didn't feel like I got anywhere because I just wasn't good enough. Um, so it's cool to see that Hades is really sort of like taking the strengths of roguelites and making them um, fun experience for everyone. Uh, at five, this actually surprised me. I played this last week after the goatee discussions because I finally had time. Is If Found. Mm, um, oh, good. I'm glad you played it. Yeah. I'm glad that that got onto our top 10. I, you know, it's just such a touching story and um, I played it by touching the screen, which I thought was a good way to play it, um, by touching the Switch screen. And I just thought that it was um, sort of, without spoiling anything, like a really uh, sort of important... uh, And it had something new to sort of offer, like sort of queer narratives. um, Because a lot of like LGBT stories are focused on found found family. And this game is no different from that. But I think it sort of, you know... um, offers like a really complicated nuanced way of saying like, okay, well your real family is still always there and sort of really grapples with that in like a way that I thought was really important and just like really touching. Um, and I yeah. absolutely sobbed uh, <laughs> playing that game. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's easy for maybe people listening or watching this to be like, okay, some visual novel trans narrative. I think I imagine what that's like, but it's so much more, interesting than you would imagine it's so much less mm-hmm. you know i think that alone is worth checking out but i think there's a lot of people that be like that sounds dry but like it it's the presentation is awesome and it culminates i think in a really interesting way that you probably wouldn't expect yeah and i think too like i mean it's really great to be able to i'm always thinking about how do i talk to non-video games people about video games and it's really cool to be able to you know, talk to my friend who doesn't play games and be like, yeah, I'm playing a game that takes place in mid 2000s, rural Ireland. It um, it's like a very Catholic town and it's about, you know, a trans woman sort of navigating the historical context, like gay marriage has just been legalized. So it's like very grounded. Like it feels like I'm talking about a movie. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those um, very, I guess, like film ask games. And so sure. Yeah. Really appreciated it. Um, coming in <laughs> and, and, uh, number three is a uh, final fantasy seven remake. Um, I honestly, the brain rot for this game is so strong with me. I considered putting it at one. Um, but in the end, I feel like 
I couldn't put it at one just because of like some like issues with Barrett and also like the depiction of women in that game. And so I was like, eh, like, I don't think that it's my favorite favorite, but like I, you know, um, this has just thrown me completely headfirst like into this world and the characters like I feel like I'm a fan girl. Of Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. Now. Which you probably have gone your entire life being like, yeah, Final Fantasy VII, that old thing I should check out at some point. And I love that this remake can still have that impact on you. Be mm-hmm. like, oh no, I'm very into the story now. Yeah, well, and like, it's so funny because I remember, I think that the the port of the original to the Switch was announced while I was at Polygon. And I remember it being announced and just like, thinking oh yeah like i should definitely be playing like i should play that as sort of just like general you know canon uh being familiar with you know my work and whatnot and never got around to it but then you know there's the remake so then was finally able to play that um and now i'm considering playing it's genuinely making me consider playing final the original final fantasy 7 and so um that gave a huge influence <laughs> yeah i was talking this i i think you should um, you think I, should? I think it's going to be so many years before the next chapter comes out that don't say that I can't my heart cannot oh, handle I mean absolutely one. so I think even if you manage to get through the entire thing which would be awesome um, I think it'll still feel somewhat fresh by the time you're playing through those sections in the remake and I think even if you just get it on switch and just spend the I mean with this version where you can speed through combat and stuff realistically seven hours or so in Midgar, I think it would be so fascinating for you to see. And it's, I'm very partial to it, obviously, but, you know, we did a game club back at Game Informer and, like, playing through it then, and even we did a stream where we played through it again. It's it's not it's not annoying to go back and play. It is a pretty smooth old RPG uh, at this point to go back to, I think. Um, okay, but here's my concern. Yeah. Is it, this is, like, the most, like, overthinking. Um, is it going, if I play... The original Final Fantasy VII game is it going to spoil like the part two or whatever? Because that's what, well, yeah. which I mean, it will. <laughs> but like, that's what I'm nervous is well, like, do it, I want to experience that story in the new gen for the first time? Is something that I've been asking myself. Yeah, it's tough. I think you play it, get through Midgar, see how you're feeling about it. You might be like, well, that was the interesting experience that I wanted. I feel like I kind of get what the original seven is like. Just do that. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, I need to know where the story goes, then keep playing because, you know, without spoiling too many things about the remake, we don't know exactly how faithful it's going to be moving forward. There's conflicting thoughts and theories and messaging on that front. So it's going to be different no matter what, you know, just inherently being the remake so i think it's still worth if you're really passionate about to to keep playing but you had a a crazy message to me where you said you wanted to play crisis core yeah i was gonna say like i am also this close to um getting a used psp (laughs) and picking up crisis core mainly because i'm interested in um zach's character i'm interested in seeing sephiroth as like a normal person yeah um i feel i've heard that the some of the gameplay can get a little tedious in that, but mm-hmm. I am kind of like curious to have this world built out. I also don't want to like have my heart completely destroyed though. And I have a feeling that that game would just wreck me. Um, and so here, I am, here's what I'd recommend. Crisis core is, is cool. I didn't finish it on PSP. I started it. I think I started it maybe multiple times and I liked it, 
But it wasn't until just last year that I watched a YouTube cut of all like the story all for the Crisis Core, which was long. I don't know, maybe it's like a three or four hour YouTube cut, but it was a great way to absorb that game without having to, you know, break open a PSP. Unless Square would freaking remaster that already. But here's the thing. You worry about spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. Like, at this point, where they are in the remake, I don't think you should play Crisis Core. I think okay. you should save that for... That's going to be the perfect so, companion piece for, well, probably at the end of the next remake chunk. Then it's going to be like, oh my God, this is the perfect time to really absorb Crisis Core. Okay. So so I'm going to go back to the original Final Fantasy VII yeah. on my Switch and then watch a YouTube cut no. of all the Crisis no, Core. No, no, no. Save that. Save that. Save that till after... Till the... I mean, if you play After through the, the next remake, yes, unless you play through the original Final Fantasy VII, otherwise, I mean, yeah. Although I, I am going to go ahead and say, weird. I think TikTok has spoiled uh, Crisis Core for me already. Okay, <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's a classic um, I phrase. think most of my life, I most most of these plot lines have kind of been spoiled for me, but I'm still very interested, like in the world and the characters. At that um, point, just play the original full game then, and then go okay. back to Crisis. Okay, Core. okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, please do. Um, Keep us up. <laughs> I'm going to do it probably like starting today. Um, so, yeah, that's my number three is Final Fantasy VII Remake. I was really happy to see it number one on our on our list because um, I did enjoy this game. And you were talking about what game have you just like marathon? I marathoned seven like towards like end of goatee discussions, beginning of break. And it's just an incredible you know, it's just such a freaking fun game. So yeah, uh, with, and without, I don't think I need to say any more about that game. Yeah, but, but what if you did? Uh, without spoiling anything, uh, <laughs> the ending, give me a thumbs up, yay or nay, mm. where were you at? Okay, I'm thumbs Ooh. up on the ending. Okay. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, is um, I did not mind the unexplained shit that was happening. Sure. Like, to me, I have... You know, like it. You know, uh, it kind of actually reminded me a bit of some of the responses to the TV series Watchmen because there's stuff that just like goes unexplained, and I or like you see characters and you don't see them again or like you don't really know what's happening. And I think for me, like I've watched enough anime where there's just like random plot points that just yeah. are lost to the universe, um, or just like characters. Like I'm watching a show right now. There's like a random panda. Like it talks. It's fine. We accept that. And so I feel like that was my approach to the ending of Final Fantasy VII. I'm like, I don't care that this dog is here. Like, of course there's a dog here. Like, there's tons of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> I don't on. think people were you upset know. about the dog at the ending, but I know what you mean. There's okay, a, lo- there's a then, lot thrown at you, yeah. Okay, here's the last thing I'll say about the end, though, is um, I feel like the game gives you, like, enough hints that you're like, okay, this is sort of like what's happening like i didn't read anything after the fact and i'm like okay we got like a well i don't want to spoil please don't but we we have uh you know you don't need to like make enough sense of it in my opinion of the ending um but i can understand if you're expecting the full remake of the full seven game which i was not how that could be frustrating yes yes um okay but anyway sorry you're number two i cut you off again Oh no worries. Um, <laughs> I, I could I could talk about that game for forever. Um, so my number two is Kentucky Road Zero. Um, I um, felt like this game emotionally moved me in a way that like a video game hasn't for a long time. And I feel like for me, when I'm sort of like assessing my top ten list, it's like 
okay, not just like what did I enjoy or what's representative of the time I played, but like what helped me grow and think as a person and what sort of like pr- prompted me to reflect on things. And I really appreciated Kentucky Road Zero and I, um, for all of those things, because like not only, um, like Surrey already touched on this, I feel like he did a really good job of articulating what makes this game so special in our goatee discussions. Yeah. Um, but I have also gone back to it in the meantime and like really appreciated. Um, yeah, just like how you can pick up on different sort of aspects of the world, different themes. And um, it kind of creates this like feeling of bigness and openness and like narratively that I haven't really experienced before. And so that's my number two. Um, and as for my number one, um, it felt weird to put a one. This is my like first like very public list. It Ooh, felt weird to put a one because I it. like all these games. Um, I love all these games. Um Sorry, that was a quick transition. But I, I want to keep it up, keep it going. Um, is Persona 5 Royal. <laughs> it's like my pandemic game. And this year for me has been, you know, like the pandemic. And like, even though I, like for me, what I needed this year in a re- very real sense was like a freaking 200 hour long game um, with really complicated, you know, relationship dynamics, like story, you know, arcs, like, you know, I really loved like going on dates and getting a day job and then catching monsters like Pokemon. Like it's, you know, that's nothing new to the persona series. Um, but just sort of, you know, it just sort of hit all the right notes for me. Yeah. Um, while I was in quarantine. And so that is my number one. Love it. Good list. Uh, Jeff, do you approve of that list? Please? I do. Oh, thank God. And, thank God. and we actually, I, there was more kind of overlap between us than I thought. And kind of the games that we both had on our lists kind of ended up falling in very similar, yeah. similar positions. Yeah, so. that's perfect. Uh, which also uh, brought up, I, I think I may have skipped my number three. <laughs> My number three was Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I oh, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I mentioned that. I don't know. I don't know how I managed to fly right over that one, but uh, oh, it was also my first term, my first time playing through the game, and uh, it it lived up to kind of the the experience that I've listened to people talk about for twenty years, and it was really kind of magical being able to experience that enthusiasm and be right in the moment with that. Because yeah. if I play Final Fantasy VII now, you know I'm. 20 years late to the to the conversations that everyone went through but being able to play that with you and your friends was super cool to be able to uh experience that kind of as the first time yeah if i would describe me and my old friends from middle school ranting and raving about final fantasy 7 the first word i'd use is cool so i appreciate that Uh, i didn't say you guys were i understand experience of nerding out at the same time i see i see um cool my list um, I'm trying to be a stickler about releasing in 2020. I like being a stickler for these lists. But huge honorable mention to a game that realistically, if I was putting it in this list, is in the top four. And that's a Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, now one of my favorite competitive games of all time. I spent so much time playing this game in an arcade cabinet. Uh competing with my girlfriend basically because of the quarantine it was just like the two of us playing this arcade game drinking beer basically the entire summer but that game has so many fantastic big swings if you like competitive puzzle games and for some reason you've never checked out puzzle fighter 
please check it out. Um, you can get the remake of it if you have an Xbox. They have the 360 version for sale, and the UI is kind of crap, and the multiplayer is kind of frustrating, but it'll give you the idea. So please, hey, everybody, Puzzle Fighter is good. Celebrate it. Um, it my number 10 is Spirit Fair. Also with Leo, I'd strongly recommend co-op for that one, uh, but a fantastic experience. Number nine, Astro's Playroom for the celebration of PlayStation's history. Uh, number eight is a bit of a companion piece with Puzzle Fighter, but this technically counts. Panel de Pawn. Panel de Pawn, which is the first time this game has been released uh, outside of Japan. Um, this game is otherwise known as Tetris Attack or Pokemon Puzzle League on N64. It's that same style thing. We're just flipping the two horizontal panels uh, to, to match them. Um, but it released on the Nintendo Switch this year in the Super Nintendo online thing. So if you go in there, there is a completely Japanese version of Panel de Pawn. And if you like puzzle games, especially competitive puzzle games, another fantastic experience to just compete on the same screen with somebody else for. Um, above that, let's see, 10, 9, 8, 7 is, of course, Jackbox Party Pack 7. Special shout out to Talking Points. Number 6 is Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Number 5 is Hades. Number four, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three, Last of Us Part Two, which at some point was higher. Number two, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Really snuck up there, I'd argue, like a dragon, uh, clawing its way as I spent more and more time with that game. Uh, absolutely adore it. It is one of those games that once you finish, it's like, that is a saga. Like that story goes places and it's intertwined and it's, complicated but not in a bad way but just twists and turns it just feels like such a rich journey through that experience and the writing is so good it makes me angry at every other jrpg i've ever played i was like why are you guys even trying look at this it's so incredibly well done also i was thinking more about ichiban like the main character and i love the idea that they basically reboot the yakuza series new protagonist you know now it's an rpg and the fact that they reboot it, get a new protagonist, and that he's just another guy in, like, his 40s. Like, they don't go for, like, the hot young hunk. He's just this schlubby weirdo in his 40s. I just love that character so much. Um, he's just a guy in his 40s who falls asleep while watching movies in a movie theater. That's, that's Ichiban, everybody. Aren't we all? That's true. Uh, he's a good guy, but he's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He's, he's got everything. He's just the best. Um, so Yakuza Like a Dragon could not have enjoyed it more. As an RPG, <laughs> despite saying I cannot have enjoyed it more, it is a lumpy, uneven RPG. And I kind of learned to love it for that, but there's definitely just weird stuff in there. Like a, a battle, okay, you complete this one part-time hero quest and I got like 400,000 experience, which is like 400 times more than any other battle I received in that game. And it's just like these weird pops and kind of you know difficulty spikes everything's just uneven and weird you eventually come across uh, like a training battle arena that just annihilates any ounce of progression in that game just because like oh here's just a bunch of free experience and free money i don't know have it at the end we don't know it's just so weird and uneven as an rpg but i still love it um so yakuza like dragons my number two and number one Final Fantasy VII Remake. I can't argue with the emotions that that game pulled out of me. Just an incredible experience this year. It would have been a baller move to not include it after your pick. <laughs> you fought for it. Psych! Uh, also, I realized I also skipped one. 
I really? My number four. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. What is that? I'm, see, our lists really are. Yeah, what? no, I think <laughs> Jeff and I are on the same wavelength here. Um, can I? Yes. What was it? <laughs> it's Among Us. Oh, that's it's right. My four. Okay. Yeah, which I made the case for in the Goaties. You know, it's just a great multiplayer game that you know blew up at the right time. I think. Yeah. So. Leo, did you also forget to mention Final Fantasy VII in yours? <laughs> I did. That oh, was number zero. That was number zero. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, wow. Thank you so much uh, to everybody that uh, submitted your entries for the top 10 list in the next Discord. It was fun to read off all those. And uh, thanks to all the developers in 2020 for getting these games out the door. Remarkable that they accomplished as much as they did. Hey, Leo, uh, I've been to ask you, how does this whole thing operate? You ask me this every week, man. I just like it. It's patrons. It's our kind patrons. The kind patrons have done it all. Yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's, support us at any tier, you get access to the wonderful Discord, which is the Shangri-La on the internet. Uh, it's a wonderful place to meet folks, uh, find new folks to play games with, have fun discussions about games. It's wonderful in there, so you can check that out. Also, you can submit comments for us to read on this show for The Deepest Dive, unlike the podcast version of The Deepest Dive. Bunch of other stuff. We appreciate all your support, and we appreciate uh, the bigger supporters as well. Uh, we're at the start of a new month, so next month we're going to be introducing some new folks and this month we're saying goodbye to these supporters but there are tiers open if you want us to plug your passion project on the podcast or if you want to put any image you want on every minmax video at the wall of heroes there's a bunch of fun options there so surprise us with an image please um anna do you have something you'd like to share yeah i do have something (laughs) i'd like to share uh so um Ben, Jeff, I'm Leo, do you like puzzle games? Because yeah. I sure do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should check out Oppa Switch, uh, which is now available on Xbox. Uh, Oppa Switch features over 90 handcrafted levels and a randomizer for never-ending puzzles inspired by the classic games such as Lights Out and Hexic. It's a logic game that's fun for the entire family. Uh, and get this. Oppa Switch was developed by Rich McLaughlin, uh, McLaughlin, <laughs> a longtime supporter of Min Max. Um, you can drop in on the Discord and ask him how uh, he made it, um, or you could just talk to him about indie game development in general, um, or just thank him for supporting the show. Um, the best part is that it's only $5, and so you can unwrap some fun this holiday season with Oppa Switch. The holidays have ended. But if you missed a gift for someone and you're like, hey, I missed a gift. I'm really in a bind right now. Like it's, you know, Christmas has passed and mm-hmm. like the mail is all clogged up and I, I just need to get something to someone ASAP. Consider uh, sending them a copy of Oppa Switch. Yeah, it's our last time plugging Oppa Switch, but congratulations to Rich McLaughlin for finishing a game, releasing it on Xbox. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah, awesome. And he's in the backstage pass chat right now. Hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. You can give me a review of how my, my ad read was. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. He says he'd pay more than $5 for that ad read. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I have a little plug to do here real quick as well. Yes, sir. Check out This Week in Video Games for your regular fix on the latest reviews, features, and interviews from the world of gaming. Whether you're into next-gen platforms, indie gems, or interviews with industry experts, This Week in Video Games has you covered. This Week in Video Games also specializes in Destiny 2 content. I told you our community was into it. Covering everything from the latest goings-on and beyond light to useful guides for exotic weapons and also builds too. 
If you want to level up your guardian and get a hold of all the best weapons, armor, and mods the game has to offer, then search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe for daily Destiny updates. So if you want your gaming content with a British twist, if you're listening to this and wishing we all had British accents, search out This Week in Video Games on YouTube or on your favorite podcast apps. Hey, Leo, you know what that ad made me think of? What? Maybe think of prettygoodprinting.com. Prettygoodprinting.com slash minmax is a place to go, a landing page where you can get uh, stickers, invitations, banners, graphic design. They have stickers available, like Anna's Anime Boys. No. No. Wait. Yep. yep. It's filled with, I think, no. anime references that I don't understand. Wait. <laughs> Wait. You can check it out. Uh, <laughs> There's all, all your favorite anime boys are here. Incredible act of kindness. <laughs> There's a lot going on. They also have uh, Pokemon stickers that uh, he designed, Star Wars stickers. Please don't tell Disney, but check out Pretty Good Printing. Uh, it's a one-man operation, and he's been a big supporter of MinMax here. And you can use the promo code MinMax with two ends for 10% off everything in the store. So you can check out the store or give them a follow on Instagram to see more of their stuff at Pretty Good Printing. Uh, and he says, it would mean the world to me and my family if you considered using us for anything you might need. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, and also, he gave us extra sticker packs for sticker giveaways. So for this week on the podcast, how about the runner-up to question of the week will get a prettygoodprinting.com sticker pack. Could sweet. be on his anime, boys. Uh, and he also proudly made a bunch of stickers for the deepest dive that, as you can see, it's a little version of uh, Leo's mug there. So that's amazing so with cute. a little diving board on it. Yeah, that's so, so great. If you want the world's smallest version of Leo's mug, then you can check that out, please. <laughs> uh, hey, also thanks to I'm 8-Bit. Uh, they want everybody to know that in the I'm 8-Bit wonderful online store, you can get the Persona 5 4 vinyl set, the essential edition soundtrack for Persona 5. Notice that last week we said Persona 5 Royal. Uh, they have sold out of those because they flew off the... <laughs> Presses off the nice. shelves, but you can still get the fantastic uh, four album set of the Persona 5 full soundtrack. Uh, it looks incredible. Please check that out. Remember, you can use the promo code MAXNEWYEAR for 10% off everything under $100 in the IM 8 bit store. So check out their store. They've been a huge supporter of us and use the promo code MAXNEWYEAR for 10% off. Uh, and they are so generous. They are going to give something out to the MinMax community. So we're going to choose our absolute favorite question of the week. And then I8Bit will ship them out a double album for Smash Hit and Pinout. It's a double vinyl. So please look forward to that. Also, believe it or not, it looks incredible. Leo, you look like you're contemplating something richly. Am I? I don't mean to. I'm just petting my cat and I was doing my he was a good boy face, forgetting I was doing a podcast right <laughs> I now. thought you were talking about I8Bit being a good boy. <laughs> That's what put me in the mindset for it. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, community questions are back, everybody. Ben Spater, Spather, Spathare. He asks, which remake is most likely to be MinMax's 2021 game of the year? Uh, you dirty <laughs> dog, man. It was right after we finished recording that discussion. Uh, then Surreal, I think, was like, oh, crap, we gave it to a remake two years in a row because we gave it to Resident Evil 2 remake the first year and then Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, guaranteed, we are not doing a remake in 2021. They're probably, I, I think they're out of games to know. remake. I don't think they're even coming out in 2021. <laughs> they can remake the remakes. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Doreen Claire writes in and says, some folks in the MinMax channel were talking about the friendly hostility between y'all in the Game of the Year talks for 2020. 
what are the way what are ways you think the goatee talks can be improved for 2021 i enjoyed it but there are definitely moments where i could understand why people got uncomfortable with the debate i love the show as always jeff you probably got the most frustrated maybe and i apologize for that but if if they could see the debates at game informer they would know that this was like everyone holding hands and dancing and singing together <laughs> i don't know i feel like Kumbaya we've been saying that a lot moment. and now like people are asking about like tell us how terribly violent were the arguments at game informers it wasn't it was like that but just a little more intense at times jeff I'm is smiling a little bit we had casualties <laughs> there were casualties uh yeah does anybody have thoughts on how the debate went for the two tens? Things you'd like to change next year? Anything like that? I the comment I read that I uh, often that I agreed with the most I think was just certain times in the debates it was a little like standoffs without either party going more into detail about why they believed in the side that they believed in because of fear of like, spoilers or I'm not necessarily that I just like in times where it's like just arguing based on i won't let this not be on the list versus here's why i really believe it should be on the list right i think that kind of thing would be make for more positive discussion overall when it's focusing on like here's why i love this not why not like yeah playing playing the rules of the debate the whole time you know yeah it'd be fun to have a procedure to sort of get through deadlocks like something maybe goofy in game like itself Like, because, I mean, this was my first time doing, like, full deliberations, right? And it definitely felt like at points where it's, like, we felt very stuck, you know? Yeah. And what was uncomfortable to me was not, like, any disagreement. It was that it felt like we weren't making any movement, so to speak, on, like, actual game. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, the most feedback we got, which, believe it or not, people had a lot of feedback on lists, um, but a lot of people we're coming up with like, oh, you guys should gamify it more. Like everybody gets one ad and everybody gets one block and there's a point system and rules. I like it, but at the same time, it's like, I just feels complicated. It's like we ended up with a list and it just took some debating, but trying to put more numbers on it or more of a system to it. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. And if you gamify it, there's always, (laughs) there's always the possibility for exploits, right? Um, like syncing one game, like intentionally not giving points to one game so that, you know. Like, know. yeah, if if it was like everybody gets one block and then it's like the game you like the least, you could just not have on that list. Then yeah, it's like, I don't know, probably would have blocked Kentucky Route Zero, which, which would have sucked, you know, like we should have that. So, yeah, uh, but I, I, he- it's, I don't know. I hear I, you. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to say I hear you, but I was talking over you while I was saying that. <laughs> um it's like we could do a thing where we have our top tens and we cross-reference them and each number's worth points or whatever but i think the way we do it now has a dual purpose of reflecting on the year in games in total and everything that mattered to us even if it doesn't have a chance of getting on the list it still gets addressed and if we do it that way it's like do we even need to have a podcast for it we could just submit our lists of 10 or 20 games and crunch the numbers and it's done yeah and I think that's just honestly, I like I guess if it's too intense for people to the point where it's not fun to listen to, that's definitely a problem that should be addressed. But for me, it's like it's fun. I yeah. look forward to it every single year is the end of year debates for that reason. It's like wrap up the year. Fight for these games you loved. Fight, 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 fight for what's right. right. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And um, yeah, to your point about making specific 
arguments for these games instead of just in general. I feel this way, Leo. I think next year for sure we should get better about um, allowing spoilers in the discussions for like best moments and best characters. And I know that sucks for us that some things are going to get spoiled, but I think it's a greater good situation for, for just for the sake of the listeners and viewers. It's like, oh, and bad. it doesn't suck that much. For, it's five minutes of a 80 hour game, you know? Right. But uh, so we will spoil things next year, but we will have timestamps. So it, it'll be like, okay, we're going to spoil things okay. for a certain amount of time, but it's only for this set period of time, which we tried to do a little bit of this year, but it just kept coming back up. But like people kept talking about The Last of Us Part Two, you know, after the discussion period of Last of Us Part Two, we were trying to finalize things, which is understandable, but that's just, I think we just need to keep the spoiler stuff fully corralled no matter what. And it really seemed like moments was the biggest issue for that, yes. right? Like we can just say, here's the moments section. Don't listen to it unless you played all these games. Yes, exactly. Or don't care. Um, Taylor C writes in and says, we're, uh, recording those Epic sessions oh, for game of the year debates takes a lot of dedication, focus, and patience. Eh, you know, uh, you have to be on for long periods of time. It's not as simple as having a discussion as format and pace need to be considered. It can be exhausting. How do you feel after longer podcasting slash streaming slash recording sessions? And what do you do to quote unquote, come down? Are you just wiped out and instantly collapse? I think you're making it seem like we're running a marathon here. It's just talking about games and sitting in a chair, I think. Yeah, uh, and, and it is it is mostly just a conversation. I don't think we're all sitting here like, ooh, what about the pacing and how are we going to handle this? <laughs> yeah, I like that it kind of throws that stuff out the window. Maybe some people are annoyed by it, but I like kind of the downbeats and it, how it doesn't feel like a normal podcast. Kind of my metronome slows down for the sake of the process of trying to weed through all that stuff. But Leo, do you have a tough time coming down after a long recording or maybe just recording in general? I wouldn't describe it as a tough time. Lots of times when it's something I feel like went well, I feel, you know, energized afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that was great. And yeah. Then, yeah. I go and eat and watch TV. That's my routine. Yeah. I was going to say the, I haven't been able to do long stretches and the, like those, those couple episodes were the first time I've been able to actually get like a, a three hour chunk in again. But mm-hmm. after those, I, I felt more energized than anything by then. Yeah. I was kind of a little wired and, but that, that wears out pretty quickly when you have a kid. So, yeah, <laughs> I think there's so much easier than the deepest dives, which are like the maybe most draining thing, just reading all those comments, trying to sort through yeah, where's I mean, the conversation every, going for you, Hanson. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's easy yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. But even yeah. like the deepest dive, I mean, some of that final fantasy seven stuff, was it like four and a half hour, discussions you know like that i don't think i was like exhausted at the end of that but it was definitely i was ready to stop reading comments because it's a lot of trying to maintain where the conversation's going and trying to remember which comment to bring up next and all that stuff yeah Yeah. the hardest thing about those was my butt would be numb because i was still (laughs) sitting on the floor when we were recording those Mm. yeah that's true i'm glad i got a chair now (laughs) maniac oh yeah go ahead Oh, yeah, no, I might be, like, a little different from everyone. I don't know if I'm being too honest. I think it's, like, maybe because, like, I'm, you know, new and lonely woman. Um, I, I Sometimes I feel tired after, like, long sessions. Or I don't feel tired. Like, similarly, like, I, I, I do get really excited, uh, you know, to do it and, you know, afterwards. But then sometimes, like, if I have too much energy afterwards, I'll, like, overthink everything. Um, mm. And I'll be like, wait, did I, like, my... um. <laughs> like be laying in bed and then like thinking about everything that I said. Um, so sometimes I go for like a walk outside after recording. That helps a lot. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's a privilege or a curse, but I have those moments as well. But it's as I'm editing the episodes, and so it's like, <laughs> is this in my mind? I'll write down a note like, well, I got to trim this out. Then I'll go back and watch it while editing. I'm like, that's totally fine. What am I <laughs> so talking about? I like, thinking about hopping on Slack and messaging you and being like, hey, uh, maybe <laughs> cut this out. Um, yeah, like trim out all the Among Us discussion. Yeah, just trim out. <laughs> Remote any part where I'm talking. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, sincerely, Eric writes in and says, "This year, I want to tackle one of the most challenging things anyone can do: beat Persona Five Royal." What are some of everyone's tips for making it through long games and seeing them through to the end? Can't, can't help anyone on that front. If anyone can help me. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, um, you're the opposite of the master do you have any things that you do that they can do the opposite of yeah i i can tell you uh have it be a deepest dive game so that you're <laughs> obligated your <laughs> yeah, that's the only way i get through them either yeah it's tough i i'm not great at finishing long games but every once in a while it'll just be a mission and like starting yakuza and loving it so much out of the gate it just became like i will not be able to freaking live with myself unless i finish this game and at least it just in my mind's like i need to finish one yakuza game so let's lock in and do this yeah i mean for me actually the obligation motivates me less because then it starts to feel like a chore mm-hmm. what really gets me through long games is like actually just like poking around in the fandom and like reading Mm. writing on the game and like you know like if i'm 40 hours into yakuza and i'm feeling like "Mm," like maybe i'll go and read a couple essays on it see what people appreciate on it see people's responses like that helps you know it, it helps my brain develop interest in it in like a different way other than just like sitting down um and just like you know banging it out so yeah that's interesting that's a fun idea um also pro tip on the butt numbing thing like you know my couch where i play games is okay it's not the most comfortable but i i like for certain gaming marathons you just surpass body position like for certain gaming sessions you know i care a lot about am i laying down am i at this angle i have a pillow here and then i like at a certain point it's like no this is my this is my duty today is to play this game and by the end of that i didn't even care what my butt felt like for mm. once in my life, you know? <laughs> Anyways, Geo Bangany writes in and says, Ahoy, Min Max, how were your breaks? Did you get any fun new toys? Any gifts that you feel especially proud of giving? I got uh, a squatty potty for the house. Life changer. Like, are the little things that you put under your feet to put your legs up? Yeah, they had a nice, like, bamboo one, so it's <laughs> more aesthetically pleasing than I thought might be available, but... I mean, people have heard the evangelists for this forever, but it's true. I don't know. You I will don't. see every previous number two you've taken in your life as a horrible waste of time and effort. So you're <laughs> saying this makes number two number one in your mind. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, it's something for your feet? Yeah, you just, it puts your feet up so you're squatting more on the toilet. That's and so it changes weird. the the shape of your bowels. So okay, that okay. This is a family friendly show. We're though. adults. <laughs> We've done it for years. Come the kids on. have done it too. I guess but that's it's, true. Uh, it's, it streamlines the, the experience. Too. Let's say. See, Anna, what you're saying is this philosophical statement of everybody poops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good, Leo. Any other good uh, gifts? 
Um, one gift this year, uh, and it was a waffle iron, a Belgian waffle iron. The, so I've been making and eating way too many waffles since then. See, this feels like one of those gifts that's like, waffle iron, I guess that's fine. But in terms of a gift that will change your mood throughout the day and just that will have ramifications for a long time, like inserting 800% more waffles into somebody's life is a <laughs> real impact that does a lot of good. I've been eating them just for snacks in the <laughs> evening. It's like, f*** it, I want a waffle right now. They're, <laughs> they're so good that you don't even need to put syrup on them. What? Like the, the mix that we have. The person, it, it was my wife's friend who gave it to me. She, she was very considerate because she gave me the waffle iron and she gave me the, the mix for it as well. Two different kinds of mixes That's and a awesome. jar of honey and a jar of maple syrup. So it was the entire package. Oh, that's amazing. And, the, and one of those mixes is so good, it's just sweet enough that it, it you can eat it and it's almost like eating a funnel cake, basically. That's fantastic. So sometimes I just want just the waffle. I love it. Wow. I had a, a best case scenario for gifts this year, truly the best case, where, you know, a while ago, my girlfriend and I talked about like, oh, what are you going for Christmas? And you know, write it down, get those gifts. And I realized a couple days before Christmas, like, oh, crap, I really want new ice skates because I used to like, that was my lunchtime routine is back where the Minimax studio used to be up in like Northeast Minneapolis. I would go to Logan park, a little park there in Minneapolis and I could rent skates and I would just skate around for a little, little exercise every day. Um, but where I moved, there's a ice rink, but I can't rent skates. And so I was like, God, I need to get ice skates. It was the point is I desperately wanted these and I forgot to ask for them. But my girlfriend is very apparently like, she pays attention really well and knew this and I had mumbled it at some point. So it's the best case scenario of just opening up a big box on Christmas morning and it was the thing that I desperately wanted but forgot to ask for. It's just... Amazing. Also, amazing. it felt like I was back in the 1950s or something. Like, ice skates for Christmas. Perfect. That was great. Ben, uh, I learned how to ice skate last week. Last week? Um, yeah, I found... So I found my mom's pair that she grew up with like in my... Like my, my grandparents don't live there. So I'm not like, I'm not exposing my grandparents to COVID. Um, they live in like a seat more like senior appropriate home now. But um, like my mom's childhood home is just like empty in Wisconsin. And so I went there um, over break and um, found her ice skates and there's a pond there. So um, I, I learned how to ice skate and I brought them back. And so I went ice skating yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> this old lady flooded the park by my house so people could ice skate. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I had the worst case scenario where I'm, I'm not good at ice skating at all. And so my first time out this year, I went to the rink and was just, you know, basically baby giraffing it. Like, and then just as I get on the rink, a freaking camera crew shows up and it's <laughs> WCCO and they're like, we're here filming people enjoying winter activities. And it's just a worst case scenario for like, just imagine <laughs> trying to get your feet underneath you. And then they're like zooming in on my stupid wobbly legs. Did you find but the new one skater is having a little trouble. <laughs> Local idiot. Um, <laughs> no, I, I looked at the news story. Worst part, they didn't even use any of the ice skating footage. They had too much like mm. toboggan footage or some crap to use instead for talking about this winter. People are going outside. Um, but sorry, Anna, did you have another gift in mind or uh, one that oh. you gave? Yeah, I did. I got, um, so my boyfriend got me, um, like it's like a, it's a gift, but it's also a reference. Um, uh, he bought me a Charizard onesie. 
Um, <laughs> but it's not just a Charizard onesie. I, I tweeted about it. It's not just a Charizard onesie. It's the same Charizard onesie or the same kind of onesie that um, this music artist I like a lot, Bad Bunny, wore while performing live this one time. Um, huh. And so this popular, this incredibly popular artist performed one time wearing a Charizard onesie, like all the news outlets wrote about it. And so my boyfriend got me <laughs> the Bad Bunny Charizard onesie. That's perfect. Uh, did you recreate the show then and saying all of her hits? N- no. Okay. Um, but I, you know, for my first, uh, whenever we get to have Halloween parties, again, the, the outfit, it's like these clear pink sunglasses. It's the Charizard onesie and then it's white Crocs, like yeah. white platform Crocs. And so <laughs> I am, uh, I plan on recreating the outfit entirely at some point as a, as a costume. I was, um, <laughs> this was really my holiday break is while I was playing Yakuza, like grinding and stuff. I listened to blank check podcast commentaries for toy story. And I believe it was on this episode. Somebody, you sorry, you said a Halloween party. And yeah. It jogged in my mind. But somebody came up with the best couples costume idea of all time, which is a fun, deep cut, but a couples costume of the Toy Story 1 pterodactyl and doll where Sid like ripped off the head and swapped them. Wouldn't that be the greatest mm, couples costume? Yeah. Everybody, yeah. please do that. Next year, please send me pictures, if it's safe, of you at a Halloween party as the pterodactyl and doll head ripoff thing from Toy Story 1. Anyways, Christian Jimenez writes in and says, not a question, but a big shout out to Anna for her holiday segment in the how-to style. I just watched the show based on her praise, and it is something special. The name of the show, one more time, Anna, is... How-to with John Wilson. There we go. Her segment was really unexpected and deserves lots of praise for sticking the landing. <laughs> Well done, Anna. Uh, that was the that holiday special. That was made special. in a fever dream. <laughs> it was funny. Like I saw that and I was like, boy, I don't know. If, I don't know what percentage of the audience will get that this is trying to mirror that how to with John Wilson style from HBO. Maybe 5%. It's like, I hope people just don't think Anna's super weird. And I mean, that she's I'm okay going for this with parody. people thinking I'm weird personally like (laughs) what's wild is how easy it was to make like I think part of the reason why I liked how to so much was I was like holy crap like my brain kind of thinks like this like sometimes (laughs) (laughs) it didn't take that much effort (laughs) to make it's funny yeah I like their comments too they're like man my goal in life is to be as chill as Anna was during that segment. It's like, you just came across as super relaxed and not <laughs> stumpily John Wilson. It's perfect. Uh, Dunder writes in and says, Hey, been in the CLCs. What was the most unique game you played this year? Not something on your top 10 list, but something you think very few others played. For example, about a year ago, a buddy and I beat the Simpsons arcade game and area 51 at an arcade bar. Pretty good. Glad you enjoyed it before they all went out of existence. Most unique game. What do you think for 2020? Hmm. I played um, Stick Life RPG on stream a couple weeks ago, and I feel like I was one of the only people to play that in 2020. What is that? It's a flash game that I and everybody else (laughs) in my age group played in grade school, where you're just a stick guy and you go to school to level up to get a better job to... Go buy, give a kid cigarettes. So he'll give you a skateboard and go get in a bar fight. Is this uh, an armors game game or an addicting games game? I believe it was an addicting games game. Right. Perfect. That's good. That's good. Uh, this question was tough. I 
it's a deep cut, but uh, because I played so many arcade games this year, um, I my nephew got really into brawlers, which I had tried showing him before, just like, here's something easy. Just bang a button and play these. But it wasn't until he came across a 1991 Capcom game called The King of Dragons that, like, it clicked in, and he is obsessed with The King of Dragons, which is just, like, a forgettable fantasy brawler from Capcom. But I, therefore, have played through that game multiple times this year. So if anybody has any questions about The King of Dragons, the game that I don't even know if Capcom knows they own, uh, please let me know. Um, I played a really interesting game this year called... Um Tomorrow won't come for those without. Um, I read about it uh, after um, reading about it on, let's see here, on Fanbyte, um, Merit K. Um, it was on, actually, it was on um, their list of the year, uh, top 10. And I considered putting it on my top 10, but it's like this crazy, uh, it's described as a futuristic post-religion game that takes place in a hotel. And it's like, <laughs> kind of right. like... I played it because it's kind of like Earthbound-esque um, and it's just like kind of bizarre and strange. And it's a, it's a good game, but it's kind of like hard to play, you know. Yeah. Um, but huh. it's like you're discovering these murders and the hotel service is really bad. <laughs> and that's about it. I don't know which is worse. Yeah, right? Go. Uh, Jeff, I'm anything stand out for you? Um. I guess it's much more mainstream, but I'd say Super Liminal was probably the most kind of interesting and unique game that I played this year. That's right. It's basically just all per- perspective kind of shifting weird. You you can, if you hold an object up close, the object actually becomes that size. And if you hold it far away, it, it becomes really small and you're using that mechanic to solve various puzzles and stuff. It, right. it feels like... Um, the Stanley Parable in that kind of like indie first person we're experiencing with the format of games as much as we are puzzle mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Winterborn submits a comment on Patreon question as well. He says, do you think in 20 to 30 years, video games, especially keeping retro consoles and memorabilia, will be the sad, cringy baseball cards of our older lives? Will our kids think we're lame for keeping a Super Nintendo around and not plugging a PlayStation 12 into our butts. Great question, Ricky. <laughs> um, <laughs> I yes. mean, your kids will think you're lame no matter what you do because they're yes. your kids, yeah. you know. I I think... And to be fair, you are you will be lame yeah. in 30 years. Yeah. So. You probably are now. You gotta... Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Winterborn, how dare you, Leo? Uh, I think this is inevitable. Don't you think? Yeah. That it'll be absolutely the, the lame thing. They're like, oh no. Don't go into daddy's gaming room. Don't tear it apart. I mean, Jeff, you must be bracing for this. Although I feel like video games will be more relevant than baseball cards are when we're older. So I guess, but yeah, but new video games, whereas, you know, it's like I loved Pokemon cards growing up. But if I saw my dad's baseball cards collection, actually, wait, no, I think cards are kind of cool no matter what. If you're a kid, I think I would have liked any cards. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I don't know the comparison for what is lame. I feel like I had nothing but respect for my elders as a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, Jonathan D says, hey, gang, I was thinking about old cheat codes the other day and wanted to know what is the oldest cheat you remember? Mine would have to be Twisted Metal 2's God Mode. Of course, anybody listening, 
By the way, I hope somebody listening is playing Twisted Metal 2 right now because I'm about to make your day. All you have to do is hold down L1, L2, R1, and R2, and then press up, down, left, right, right, left, down, up. Truly, Jonathan says, the only way five-year-old me was able to finish the game. Thank you, Jonathan. Oldest cheat you remember. Konamiko doesn't count. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, but that is the oldest one I remember. And yeah, it was, I was going to... It was for playing the actual Contra, and it, it was the only way that you could actually play that game because three lives when you're, like, five years old playing Contra is impossible. Absolutely even, impossible. even with, like, it gives you, like, 30 lives or whatever in that, it was still way too hard for, you know, me and my friends to play at that age, but at least it was a little closer. Yeah. I knew the Konami code before it was cool, guys. All right, guys. all right, <laughs> we got it. Jesus, relax. Anybody else have a cheat code in mind? Okay, so I remember a cheat code, but not for the game. So this is a fun <laughs> game. Like, I'm pretty sure it was like, it was one of the civilizations. But the code was George Crushington. Mm. And it turns like a, you get like a giant's stone head of george washington and it just like rolls and crushes everything and that's good i i'm i'm pretty sure it was for one of those games but like my bro i just have such a vivid memory of my older brother showing me this and being like hey like here's what you do um and so but i don't remember exactly which game it was which say it was yeah yeah i guess i i I didn't think about, yeah, PC cheats, but absolutely. Like, Age of Empires 1 was so yeah. huge for, like, typing in Big Daddy. Uh, and then I think with the <laughs> expansion, you typed in Big Mama, and you got, like, a black and white car, which was very fun for me then as a Age of Empires fan and Metal Gear fan when Big Mama became a character within Metal Gear. And it's like, oh, it's like the white car from Age of Empires. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Daddy Warbucks, is that the cheat for more money? I forget. Maybe code was for Age of Empires. Mm, for Big Head? Not... I no. don't think so. Unless it was Age of Empires 2. I'll do some research. Yeah, yeah. Please get to the bottom re- of it. Now that I think about it, I remember one in the game Oni, which I really liked. Oni, that bungee third-person action game. There was a code where you could switch between all the character models on that level. You could just press, like, two of the F keys to toggle between playing as all of these different character models. Wait, so are you saying they did... Watchdogs Legions before they did, <laughs> wow. and they did it better. Boy, this is insane! I googled Daddy Warbucks cheat code. It turns out this is a deeper cut than I imagined. That's how you get money in Sim Safari, which okay, I, I guess say, I did play. Yeah, um, the Sims had some great, and I don't know at which point it's a cheat code and at which point it's just like, oh, this is, you know. For you to help you play the game, yeah. you know, I don't know if there's like a distinction there. Yeah, everything's for you. You're you're the center of the gaming world. Justin Ray submits a comment and says, "Ben, I want you to put one of the cohorts on the spot and ask them something, and they only have ten seconds to answer." And of course, Justin doesn't point this out, but it's heavily implied that it's Jeffum. Jeffum, ten seconds to answer. Top five games of all time. Um, Link to the Past, uh, Super Metroid will put on there, uh, we'll put Tetris on there. Um, that's all I got. I don't know. After there that. it is, the big three or whatever. Hope you enjoyed that, Justin. Um, Victor Fam has a damning question. If we're ready to get damned, 
he says, are the best written stories in gaming able to stand up to the best written stories in literature, theater, film, and television? I got chills down my spine it's just like reading this. Like a three-hour, six-hour podcast. The deepest yeah, dive on Victor Fam's here. question. I'm just like rubbing my head thinking about it. I might. I love games a lot. In fact, I'd say my career is based on that. Still, my first reaction to this was, "Oh no." Does that make me yeah. terrible, no, or answer, is our medium just the not answer, there yet? No. The answer is not there yet. I, I think I think the stories can live as high uh, high up with those other mediums in our memories of them. Like there are definitely games that I've played where I'm like, oh man, that story was absolutely amazing. But in terms of the actual storytelling that you're going through and the pacing and everything and just the interactive nature of games, I think that that is always going to kind of make it feel rudimentary and half broken. Like uh, unless unless it's just unless they're aping, you know, movies where they're taking away all of that control from you. If you if you're able to interact with the story and with characters and cutscenes and stuff, I think they haven't figured out a way to make that feel as good as a passive kind of medium. I just yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Leo. I think you would find that in indie games sometimes. I think they've definitely gotten closer and been more impressive, but it's like the problem is the best stories and movies don't have to fit in a couple factions of 10,000 guys that the protagonist kills throughout the movie. Yeah. And that's just what video game stories have had to accommodate for the whole genre's existence. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about a series, Leo. Tell me if this is boring as a series idea, but it's, it's just a gameplay series where you start up a game and then start a timer until you break that game's narrative. So for example, it'd be like, all right, Mass Effect, how quickly can you shatter this game's, any sense of coherent storytelling within this game? And realistically, you'd start it up first time you get control of Commander Shepard. If you run around in circles for <laughs> 45 seconds, she should not be the commander of the military. You know what I mean? So therefore that immersion's shattered. Is yeah. That, is that a fun series? Every game then would you'd be able to shatter it, right? I, I Unless th- there's like a dog I, game where you run around and you can run around in circles. I think there are some that slip through. Please let us know what ones you think of that can't be shattered. One I think of is like, and this is probably just because I love the game so much, but I think of like Shadow of the Colossus. As insane as you could be in that game, I feel like everything's kind of justified because you're in this insane world where insane things are happening and you're kind of like an outcast loner who clearly is having a lot of mental problems dealing with the world. So I can run around that temple in circles and be like, yeah, that seems like something Wander would do because it's such an insane environment. Yeah, sure. (laughs) It's not broken. (laughs) Oh, Chad is saying Untitled Goose Game. Ooh. Sage Pass Chad. (laughs) Is that the most coherent video game narrative of all time? (laughs) Honestly. I mean, wouldn't any like piece of sort of interaction interactive fiction sort of fall into you know that yeah because your interactions are very controlled i mean well i mean to tie it back i mean if found you can't break it yeah that's what i was thinking it's yeah. like tim laro brings up guitar hero incorrect Ugh. uh if you don't hit a single yeah. note then you are not a guitar hero therefore breaking the narrative of becoming a legend of rock yourself <laughs> huh. that's a tough one uh, sorry to be pessimistic, but game narratives are hard. 
And as much as we love them, it's just tough to compete yeah. with with the juggernauts. They're they're great for a different reason, which is not necessarily you're telling this amazing cohesive passive story that the audience can't interact with, but because you get to be part of a story. And if that makes them a little wonky compared to a movie or a book, then, you know, so be it. Yeah. Now, uh, you well. know, even though video games, like we're pretty much in agreement here, it's like, okay, it's not like at that highest art, you know, level of art narratively, like Yakuza, like a dragon is approaching like a decent drama, you know? Oh, like, it is I am beyond a decent that. drama. Yeah. I never thought that I'd be into a crime drama story. And ultimately that's what's going on there. Um, yeah. In terms of investment, I feel like video games can absolutely surpass other mediums, but I think it's tough. Anyways, hey, Crater says, this, I had to do some research. Crater says, with the recent realization that Stardew Valley violated the Geneva Convention, what other seeming innocent and adorable games do you think have committed unknown atrocities? So what happened is there is patch notes. Yeah, you just you just screwed me on the community. Get a load of this, Hanson. <laughs> oh, sorry. Good job. Well, you can find another one while I explain this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what happened is that there was a patch for Stardew Valley, and one of the patch notes was replaced uh, the Red Cross so that we weren't in violation of the Geneva Convention. And it turns out the hospital in that game had a red cross on top, and apparently that can only be used by actual medical personnel just so it doesn't get blurry or messy in terms of like, hey, if you're on a battlefield and you see that, you know that somebody's not just referencing Stardew Valley, that they're actually there to save your life. And the amount of troops that tried to go into their Nintendo Switches to visit that medical tent... That's why there's so ca- that's why there's so many casualties in World War One. It's just a body count, it's just stacked. Act at the TV, <laughs> the bottom of it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's tough to beat. Can anybody think of another example of an adorable game that committed atrocities? Off the top of my head. <laughs> hmm. I mean, thinking about like adorable games that are like horrifying maybe i misunderstood the question that adorable games are horrifying when you think about it yeah i guess that works yeah like oh yeah i got one go jeff up i i've been complaining about it for years folks and that's pokemon yeah 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 that's a great example you are capturing these animals and then forcing them to fight each other endlessly yeah Yeah, that's a great example um, my parents were always like, Anna, do you really like animals? Because I'm like, I like Pokemon because I like animals. And they're like, you really? <laughs> <laughs> they're calling um, your bluff on liking animals? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that was, yeah. they're five years old. Like, um, they're really pushing me. Uh, similarly, <laughs> I feel like Kirby is like a weird, dark thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're sucking up these other beings, like ingesting them and then like, you just like eat them and you don't really think about it. And then you take on their powers. Like it's incredibly dark or locking enemies in an egg and in Yoshi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From their perspective, or everything's stomping on turtles. Yeah. Killing turtles mm-hmm. is no fun. There's no doubt. Pretty much every, mm-hmm. pretty much every game, right? Just Nintendo seems to be the deviants in this case. Yeah. yeah I mean, Mario yeah. stomping on a, a slur for Italians for decades. That is That's true. true. That's true. And eating mushrooms while he does it. That monster. And we're not supposed to talk about that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Strange Sloth submits a comment on Patreon. Says, what did you do for New Year's? I 
I got wasted with my chooms in real life. A little cyberpunk for you. Um, we went to the snow. <laughs> That's a funny way of phrasing it. We went to the snow and played chess. That sounds pretty cool, strange slot. Um, Leo, you just did mushrooms? <laughs> for the holidays? Yeah. Uh, it was a FaceTime with the family, hang out in the house with my girlfriend. For Thanksgiving and Christmas, we just got a bunch of recipes that we normally would have with our family and tried to cook them here. Mm. That was fun. I made some rolls that turned into biscuits more because I screwed them up and some guacamole and a beef brisket. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That was I, pretty I, nice little name. Yeah. We did the same thing where it recreated my normal family meal, which strangely enough, for Christmas and Thanksgiving, actually, we always go for steak and artichokes. And then also my mom makes this awesome, like, cranberry bread. So we made it all here, and it was it was good. It was nice. Almost as good as home. You know, this home. Uh, but what about New Year's, which is what Sloth is going for specifically? Oh, New Year's. I yeah. missed that part. Uh, we hung out for a couple hours and then watched TV. And then when it was about to turn it into midnight, we found like some live channel that's available on our streaming box somehow and it showed fireworks happening in countries where they're allowed to go outside and socialize because they had a lockdown. Cool. And it was like, oh yeah, that could, imagine living like that. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. That sounds Uh, My wife and I watched, it's a Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. Okay. Uh, And then, but that, you know, was only like 15 minutes. And then we watched Soul. Ooh. On Disney Plus. New Pixar, yeah. It, it was good. It was good. It it I mean it's it's a little it feels more like a show for adults like going through midlife crisis than it is a show for kids. Hmm. That's definitely a critique of a lot of Pixar's work, especially lately. Um yeah, I I was watching that and I was like, man, I just kept thinking about how this would play in a theater. Cuz even I love Pixar and Toy Story 4, I felt like for the first third, my theater that was full was pretty quiet. And I think Soul, I'm like, I don't know when kids would react in a big way. Not that movies need that, but it's just interesting how they've evolved. And watching that, I just want them to rip off the Band-Aid and just like, just make a Fantasia. Make something completely abstract. Like, I don't feel like they're softening their movies. They want to make popular movies. I get that. But at the same time, I looked, I watched Soul and it's like, that is an, a real, it's a really powerful short <laughs> that feels padded. And I kind of wish it was just revamped to be something a little weirder and more abstract. Cause it's my favorite art direction in any Pixar film ever. Like, I think the characters are incredible yeah, looking and, and like the guards in the afterlife world that are just basically strings is just incredible. Yeah. I, I liked the character and I liked the story of the things that he was going through, but that just fundamentally didn't seem like it was for kids and it didn't, that does not seem like a satisfying conclusion for children. Yeah. I kind of had the complete opposite reaction that I had to onward where I was, I was expecting to really like soul and I was expecting to not like onward. And I got to the end of soul and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Especially that sequence where, you know, it shows New York city and it just keeps zooming out. It's like, it's one of my favorite picture sequences ever, but still even at the end of the movie and the entire thing, I wasn't that emotional. Whereas onward, I wanted not to like it. And then by the end I was in tears. I'm like, wow, this movie works. I guess I, I wanted to poo poo it, but it was effective. But anyways, Anna, did you have a good new year's? Yeah. Um, I, so, um, 
We played, so I, with my housemates and um, my boyfriend, we played Just Dance in 2020 um, up until, you know, midnight or through midnight. We played that game all night is, yeah. Do you know what song so. you were dancing to while the clock hit midnight? Um, what was the last one we played? It was a weird one. They're like, there's like a lot of Katy Perry on Just Dance 2020 <laughs> for some reason. And so I feel like it was like not a super exciting song. I think it was Swish Swish okay. by Katy Perry. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, played a lot of games, played, uh, if you listen to Better Quest, Grant called in and played the initials game. We played that. Um, and I was just like on a group call with like Dave Clapp, friend of the show. Um, and then, Tim Turry and Dan Reichert and those folks. Um, and then we played Codenames because there's that online Codenames version, which is great, which sounds like a joke, but remember, it is actually horsepaste.com. <laughs> and it it is just an online functional version of Codenames that is great to play over Zoom. So please, everybody, check out Horsepaste, please. Mm-hmm. But it's fun because it was New Year's where there were three different time zones. They so got to celebrate three times. So it was, you know, a bit of a slog to get to that West Coast, but we did it, damn it. Um, ben Shively... <laughs> asks, uh, here's a question that has been weighing on all of our minds for several long years. In the year 2024, what will they call Madden? Madden 25 was already a thing in 2013 to celebrate its 25th anniversary, so what will they do? Will kids get the PS4 launch title for Christmas rather than the 2024 version? It's a great question, Ben. I love this question. Uh, they're going to call it Madden uh, 2077. <laughs> <laughs> I'd play that one. It's smart. I think realistically, they will just call it Madden 25 because it will have been so long that the chance of people being really confused with that is so small. Or do you think they- that that's going to suck because the, everyone's going to have to write it Madden 25 parentheses 2025. <laughs> 2024, technically, which is even funnier. Yes. Or, or do they officially call it Madden 2025 for the first time? Or just call it Madden 37 or whatever it'll actually be. Like oh. when they called it Madden 25. But those for the 25th anniversary? Well, I guess that's the same thing then. You're right. right. So it would be whatever the anniversary is. So, or but, call it Madden 25 too, like Final Fantasy. I think that's the correct answer. Yeah, make it like Final Fantasy. And change it to Roman. Ooh, or just change it to Roman numerals in general. Right. There we Good. go. Or they'll, they'll, Bowl, right? they'll like, it'll be Madden 1. Be right. Like yeah. <laughs> Reboot. <laughs> and it's, then it's just like Leatherheads, that classic film that everybody has at the top of their tongues. George Clooney. There we go. His finest directorial work. Um, Travis Manick says, hello, Ben, and not Ben. Hold for applause. Pretty good, Travis. There it is. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake has gotten one patch, and it was in October, six months after the game came out. The same way we talk about games like Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk for being famously broken, is there any way we can give a shout-out to huge-scale games that seemingly get it right? Obviously, there are big differences in size and scope slash production, but you can't deny that Final Fantasy VII Remake was a big game and it ran fantastic since day one. Totally true. Even on my base PS4, that game was a champ. I know people point to the one door where the texture doesn't pop, but that's a pretty small thing for how good that game looks overall. Yeah, that that's that's just a, a tick in the pro column if if like if you have if the only thing you can come up with is one door has kind of a muddy texture then congratulations you did a great job with that game yeah but the open world stuff in particular i think breath of the wild doesn't get enough credit for 
not really being a buggy game. Like you think of Good all point. the systems, all the physics, there's definitely some jank in that game, but for it to come out as solid as it did is unheard of. If that was a Ubisoft game, forget about it. Yeah, it's like just slow down on some explosions is all I ever noticed. Right. Yeah, in right. the Karak forest. So. Yeah. Did did uh, Ghosts of Two Shiba Inus have a lot of problems? No, that was solid too. Yeah, that seems pretty solid. Yeah, hats off to Sucker Punch. I mean, they've made a lot of open worlds. Time. What's that, Leo? You just gotta spend a super long time. Yeah, that's Thank it. Much. Take your time, everybody. Yeah. Um. So Jackson Arnold wrote in talking about how he got an Oculus Quest Two, and his family is blown away by it. And he's like, "Is this honeymoon hype? Why aren't people obsessed with VR?" Um, he said his mom is just head over heels. Uh, Bill Kuhn also wrote in talking, asking about a similar thing, saying, I got an Oculus Quest 2 and what VR games should I play? Leo? Check out my top 10 list. Oh. T-Rex on there. So, Pistol Whip is is on the headset alone, though. You don't need a PC for that. And they got that new campaign that's really good. Okay, so Pistol Whip and then Until You Fall, is that the name of the other one? Yes, but that is a Steam one. Okay. Gotcha. Well, we lost Jeff, but you get the idea. Uh, other VR recommendations? Uh, Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, VR Chat. VR Chat's on the headset too, actually. And you can play Beat Saber in VR Chat. There's a Beat Saber world. What? <laughs> Somebody just recreated Beat Saber. It's not perfect, but it works. <laughs> That's insane. I yeah. like it. Uh, Danny Yorkus writes in and says, Min Maxers. I have some statistics for you all from 2020. Here are the stats for how many of your get a load of this segments counted by each of you. Wait. Okay. Here are the stats for how many of your get a load of this segments counted by each of you declaring get a load of this. So this is whether or not we actually said get a load of this before declaring our get a load of this. Not feeling good about this for me. Danny, you're a hero for compiling this. The lowest. Did you want to guess the lowest percentage? Jimmy. No, Leo. Hold your head Is high. Is it me? Nope. But you you were barely second. Uh, <laughs> this is Surreal Vasquez. Had a measly 34% of his get a loads of this uh, with a preface of saying get a load of this. Anna's next at 53%. Leo at 55%. Ooh. Just squeak buyer. Kyle, 60%. I said it 73% of the time. And Jeffum had 36 out of 36 for a whopping 100% get a load of this preamble. Wow. Incredible. He deserves his own min-max award for that. (laughs) He says, even being sleep deprived towards the end of the year, Jeffum is the official get a load of this king. I agree. Uh, That's why he grabs the community ones because he's so good at Get giving loads of things. He sure is. He's the best. <laughs> Sorry, He's, that game didn't think. No, you're right, Anna. You're so right. Um, what do y'all like for a question of the week? Man 25. <laughs> I do like Man 25. That's a good one. Um, uh, I like the Geneva Convention one just because I like that little tidbit. Um, I like the most unique game we played this year. I like old cheat codes. I like the writing in games versus other mediums. Yeah. Um, Good questions this week, community. Thank yeah. You. What do you think, Backstage Pass? Let us know uh, what your favorite question of the week was. Jeff, what stands out to you for favorite question of the week? Um, 
Oh, there was one in there. Yep, there probably was. I'm leaning towards most unique game we played this year. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Backstage Pass. Uh, by the way, Jeff, um, um, you said get a load of this uh, 100% of the time. Danny York has written about it, just so you're aware. Did I? Yes, you, you know, I have I have wondered about that uh, in the past. It keeps me up at night. I understand that. Actually, because I used to give everyone crap for it. <laughs> All right. Glad we, I had it. Should we give it to Dunder? Dunder. All right. Dunder Dunn did it. Congratulations, Dunder. You win an amazing vinyl album soundtrack from I Am 8-Bit. So look out for that and we'll reach out to you and get your address. And if you want to win a prize on your own, you can support us on Patreon, submit a question or comment, and then we'll ship out something nice. Yes. What's our runner-up for the stickers? Isn't that a question? What do you think? Madden. Yeah. Geneva Conventions right there. I I mean, Danny did a lot of research for those stats on get a load of this. That yeah. was good too. Yeah, we can't just reward good. the most effort. Cheat codes is good. The competition's so it's still even for second. I know. Really. What do you think? Like, Madden twenty five is just such an original thought. Okay. All right. This person Leo likes Madden twenty five. About it or anything? You know? we'll, Give it Madden twenty five. We'll reward passion. Ben Shively, congratulations! You win stickers from Pretty Good Printing, and we'll reach out to you, and you get to choose which sticker set you want. Also, uh, you know that Pretty Good Printing is great because they sent me all of the stickers in um, a perfect dark box on sixty four for some reason, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. And now it's time for something we call get a load of this. Get right. a load of this. Yeah, take it, Anna. Okay. Uh, get a load of this. Um, they're, okay, so this producer and composer um, did, like, a funk cover of One Winged Angel. All um, right. Uh, their name is Alex uh, Mukala. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing their last name correctly. And it is so funky and so fun and i think i listen to it like once a day a funky <laughs> version i'm very curious how that sounds yeah. but the link is below for like everybody very slappy bass heavy <laughs> i love it uh leo in just an amount of this uh on madden 2003 well i'll preface this there was a thread going around two years ago from that started by steve gainer of like weird little developer uh embarrassing bugs embarrassing yeah. dev, game dev crimes he put it just little tricks that, right? yeah i enjoyed that thread at the time and this one resurfaced that i missed the first time that i thought was really good from jim hedgel on madden 2003 we had a bug where all the players vanished just a stadium a field and a ball at midfield a junior coder named james said did you check inside the ball Smirking, we checked with the debug camera, and there they were. Tiny players in formation inside the football. <laughs> Freak out. That's wow. amazing. That's philosophical. Leo, how'd they Game get there? Game is mysterious. That's so weird. Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, there is a podcast by a friend of the show, uh, Kelsey Lewin. She's the co-host along with Frank Cifaldi. Um, it's called the Video Game History Hour Podcast. And I like to learn things from my video game podcast, and this is... An incredibly informative podcast, not just because I was on it talking about Oregon Trail, um, but there's one episode in particular, and the guest is Matt Alt, who wrote a book on uh, the impact of Japanese uh, products and, and culture. 
Um, but there's an episode that he was on where they talked about Gunpai Yokoi from Nintendo, the designer of the Game & Watch and Game Boy, Virtual Boy, which is, I thought I understood like the high level, like, okay, I think I get Gunpai. He's a really interesting story within Nintendo. He tragically died way too soon. Otherwise, he would still be heralded as a Nintendo legend. They talk about, you know, how he how he died, unfortunately, like really before the internet took off in a huge way and the internet groundswell of like passion for Miyamoto. Like, would that have been split with Gunpai Yokoi? It's unclear. But if you just want to learn a lot about that early history well, not like the 1800s history, but the early history of Nintendo and them getting into toy design, uh, game design, definitely check out the Video Game History Hour podcast episode where they talk about the fact that Gunpai Yokoi is the one that designed Donkey Kong, which I had no idea. And apparently Miyamoto just designed the characters, but like the gameplay, Yokoi says that he designed it. And the fact that it's based... I knew that it was based on Popeye and they lost the Popeye license and then switched over to Donkey Kong. That's kind of fun video game pop culture trivia. But I didn't know specifically that it was based on one episode of Popeye, which is called A Dream Walking. So if you look at this episode of Popeye, it's just this big battle on like a, a construction site with a bunch of girders and stuff like that. Like all that comes from this one specific <laughs> episode of Popeye, which is so strange. Wow. Also, I, I know I'm rambling, but they also talk about just the impact of Japanese video games and Nintendo's games on America and it, all this stuff just felt like it was coming from another world and I remember I believe from Matt Alt's book there was that story where the one of the tech leads on the NES was talking about that and he's like yeah a lot of our ideas were just like from anime but because like Americans had never seen that before they thought like those crazy Japanese are so inventive with these games which obviously not to say Nintendo's games aren't creative uh, but just a lot of those ideas had been surfacing before and in this episode they talk about just how a lot of um, Koji Kondo's soundtrack for Mario came from popular music in Japan at the time, which was called city pop, like city pop music. And they played examples, and this is real quick. Here's just an example. Um, here's a track from around that era called Friendship. Just a popular track. <laughs> exactly. Now, I don't think I even need to... Oh, sorry, that was him talking in the video. That was confusing. I was like, I don't recognize that voice. Um, but it's of crazy. Uh, and even Koji Kondo has said, uh, and not to say that he's not a brilliant creator, obviously he is, but he's taking inspiration from these things that just the West was not as attuned for or we've kind of lost track of. But in 1984, right before that Super Mario Brothers was made, uh, there's a band called T-Square uh, that released an album that... Koji Kondo has said was an influence on Mario's soundtrack, and uh, I'll play it here. So this is a track called Sister Marion from T-Square, released in 1984, right when this Twix ad is done. (laughs) It's crazy, like, yeah. Yeah. It's basically just, hey, Mario was not made in a vacuum. Anyways, they talk about all this stuff uh, in that episode of the Video Game History Hour Foundation podcast, so please check that out. That's as interesting as it is uh, despicable. Oh, interesting. There it is. Um, <laughs> Jeff, um. Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this is a dumb thing I learned, or maybe I am dumb for not knowing it until now. But did you all know, did you guys all know that, that Canada has a queen? Its own queen? Oh, it's a queen. Oh, wait. And you know the queen. It's Queen Elizabeth. Well, yeah. Apparently, oh. Queen Elizabeth is also the queen of Canada. 
And the article that I was I was reading about it said that she basically is in charge of Canada, both the government and she's the commander in chief of the military, the Canadian <laughs> military. But because they have a constitutional monarchy, she basically just relinquishes. She like lends all of her power to whoever the prime minister is at the time to act on her behalf. But the next so queen could change of, that. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of the laws still say like in you know in service of Queen Elizabeth or whatever. It's it's still kind of all written into it, and it definitely it raised some red flags of recent years of like. Because the article is very much like, well, technically, you know, she does have all of these powers, but no one in their right mind would ever try and use them or question that. It's like, right. oh, get that down in writing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> because who inherits the throne next? Uh, it, it says either Prince Charles or his kid. Oh, wait, it could skip Prince Charles? The oldest. I, I think the, the article is was basically i i assume it's prince charles unless prince charles dies before the queen dies is okay what I'm assuming. gotcha we're gonna have a queen royal baby someday isn't that cool to think about that's gonna be funky jeff I'm community we have a community yeah. discord channel where people share get, get a load, load of gets, gets also loads of this. this yes uh this one was from leafy annika i am i am leafy and has changed okay. his name gotcha know. okay uh but it is a Kotaku article by Ethan Gash that says former Xbox executives say Nintendo laughed their asses off when Microsoft offered to buy it. And apparently this is this was from a while from a long time ago. Um, Microsoft went to a meeting with Nintendo and tried offer to purchase them because they said they weren't very good at at doing hardware at the time. And they and so they thought that, you know, Nintendo could do that. Uh, and the, the quote is. Uh, from Kevin Bacchus, he says, Steve Ballmer, Microsoft's former CEO, made us go meet with Nintendo to see if they would consider being acquired. Uh, and they just laughed their asses off. Like, imagine an hour of somebody laughing at you. That was kind of how the meeting went. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they were not into it. But it's I love that. One of those fun historical moments of Microsoft just overreaching a little and getting put in their place. Perfect. Also, yeah, I love the, the tours that, I don't know if you watched that Miyamoto tour of the Super Nintendo world uh, that's in Japan now. Uh, it's just fantastic, and it's fun to see him very much in his element, and he calls himself like the father of Mario. And um, But I just see that, and it's like, in my mind, there's no way that Disney has not purchased Nintendo within the next 50 years, Right. Am I nuts? And I just think it's going to be such a weird relic to have like this universal Super Nintendo land when realistically, when all media is just boiled down and Disney has absorbed almost everything since Nintendo is definitely on that list. I mean, but that's actually an interesting question that I don't feel qualified to, but it's also like a geopolitical issue, right? Like it's not just like, like Japan as a country has their own national interests and wouldn't it be in their national interest potentially to like not have such a large producer of like media be bought by Disney? I mean, you'd think so, but you think about Tencent buying every form of media yeah. throughout the world now and it's not like, yeah. you know, I don't think the American government steps in to be like, hey, back off Epic. 
that's our national pride, you know? So maybe Japan would be better at that? I don't know. I, we're definitely out of our element, but that's an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks so much for watching or listening to this episode of the MinMax Show. Um, let's see. We have a new episode of Better Quest, our show all about getting better with Jeff Cork. That's going to be airing on Thursday and we're changing it up so if you are in the Better Quest channel and you're sharing personal goals it's the start of the year imagine a lot of people are setting goals New Year's resolutions for themselves uh, it's a way to hold each other accountable is to go into that channel on the Discord and talk about what your goal is we actually have a spreadsheet where you can enter it along with your level there's a whole community level system so you can check that out um, and then we're going to be taking calls from the community based on whoever has the most interesting goal or has accomplished the most we've had uh Somebody who has lost over 100 pounds since Better Quest started, which is just incredible. So we're going to be taking some of those calls and uh, working together to get better in 2021. So we'd encourage you to join that community in the MinMax Discord. Also, plug, we have the Deepest Dive for Cyberpunk still going on. New episode is going to be airing next week. So get ready to submit your thoughts on Act 2 of the game. Um, we also made public something that's normally extremely private. Leo, do you want to talk about that editing stream? Yeah, um, I do backstage pass editing streams uh, for before I do a watch later most every time except for this week because it's uh, embargoed content. So get extra excited for this week's watch later. But yeah, I do one or two editing streams where we just hang out and we shoot the crap. I answer editing questions. I take suggestions on music and how to put the video together and everything. And they're so fun. We were like, why don't we just put one out there so that people who are curious about that type of content can see what it's really like and see if it's really something they want to be a part of. So there's one up right now on our YouTube channel. Yeah. So for everybody in the public, you can see on the YouTube channel, what it's like to hang out with Leo for several hours in the backstage pass, uh, editing live stream. Anything else? Anybody wants to plug? There it is. I uh, look forward to a new interview going up on Monday of next week. Uh, we have an interview with Brian David Gilbert. Uh, we're keeping the trend rolling of interviewing folks that have left big jobs and he left Polygon. And so we learned all about that. Anna, did you interact with him much at Polygon? Well, it's like such a small office and he was like on the younger side. So like we had a group called like Poly Teens, which were like <laughs> all the younger people. Um so, like, even though I wasn't, like, on the video production team, like, the video production team and the editorial team, they're, like, very close together. Yeah. Like, literally and physically, like, they collaborate a ton. So, like, you know, like, just because of those things, you know, knew him. <laughs> okay. I, it's funny. I knew when I was leaving Polygon, he had just gotten, like, a shipment of Halo books. And then, like, <laughs> like boxes and boxes of Halo books, just, like, I was stacking them on his desk. And then, like, I feel like that video came out, like, three months ago. Like, a year after that, right. I saw that video come out. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that Brian finally finished all of his uh, Halo books. Yeah, um, you have a full recap of every Halo book, which is <laughs> just an yeah. insane goal. But I love that that video exists. So you can check that out on Monday. Um, and, yeah, Leo's Watch later on Friday. Should be fun. New gameplay footage, perhaps, of a certain upcoming game that we might talk about next week on the podcast. Look forward to that. Also, Perhaps. thanks to all of the Patreon supporters at the $50 tier on Patreon. If you want your name read here, you can go to patreon.com, support us at that tier, and we'll read your name throughout the month. Your name is also in the description for every piece of MinMax content released. But thank you to prettygoodprinting.com, Rich McLaughlin's Oppa Switch, Beat Now Brian, I Am 8-Bit, This Week in Video Games, Jawar, Hello, Mirko, Rico, Torreno, Chris Logan, Zachary Pleggy, Rebecca Lang. Jeff, I don't need to tell you who comes next. 
It's the one, the only, Mark Seliga! Starkiller as well, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hosser, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Pretham Yarlagata, Clayton Myers, Spider Dan, Zach Eink, Steve Bamdad, and Slick Nick. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Yeah.